0: This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jarrett Duncan. R.J. Bela. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're murdering one another, Italian style. As we watch Mm. Spine 228 in the Criterion Collection, Francesco Rossi's Salvatore Giuliano from 1962. But first, Mm. R.J., Uh. how are things?
1: (laughs) Uh, well, I mean, not much has changed, Jarrett. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that not much is going to change for the next little while. But I'm deep into our side project, and uh, mm-hmm. it's consuming a lot of time. Yeah. I got to say.
0: Yeah, digging through nearly 50-odd, 55 films, it's, uh, it, takes, it takes its toll.
1: It takes its toll. I'm, uh, I think I have a pretty good pace set. Mm-hmm. I don't have a ton left. Uh, but now I'm also, I'm trying to do some work things and that's taking up time. And now I just get tired. Like <laughs> I, am not napping that day, but in the day, but like I'll work for like, like two, three hours and I'll be like, I'm exhausted because yeah. I'm not used to it anymore. You know? Right. It, just have you felt that strain? Working? Well,
0: uh, starting just, uh, this past week, I've been back into the fray at the old comic shop mm. that, that is part of the reopening of the
1: economy. Around these parts, do you have any uh, personal protective equipment?
0: I have a mask that I wear the entire time I'm in the store. Nice,
1: nice. Uh, any? Uh, I think I asked before. No gloves, but you do have hand sanitizer, yeah, right? Yeah, all over the place. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Is uh, see now more than ever that tap feature on those credit cards is uh coming into play, right? Try, try to get one.
0: Try to get one in, but uh, the bank never called back. The, yeah, so, <laughs> okay,
1: this is going to oh, sound
0: oh, weird. Oh, that sounds suspicious.
1: Excuse me. <laughs> I think there's, I'm, I'm going to
0: send uh, some people with thermometers over.
1: Contact NORAD. Uh, so, you, you said the bank never called. I don't know why. I don't even know why this is coming up. But I knew this guy one time. And uh, he was talking about how he watched this full length uh, homosexual porno. And uh, he was talking. And he was just like, Yeah, I watched the whole thing. And uh, someone was like, Why'd you watch the whole thing? Oh,
0: this, I guess this story is too saucy for, uh, for, for our telling.
1: Did it cut out?
0: Oh, completely.
1: Okay. Maybe it's not meant to be told then. It's, it's too hot, too hot I for mean, Skype. If, uh, if people are interested, I can talk about this, uh, porno story some other time, but, mm-hmm.
0: uh, <laughs> well, you got up to the point of like, why did you watch the whole thing?
1: Oh, well, so his, his rationale was, he was like, I was just waiting for the girls to come, but the girls never came. So when I hear stuff like, the bank never called, in my mind, I always just think, the girls never came. He's like, I was just waiting for it, but they never came, you know? And I mean, I think it's kind of like, I think it's a mark on his character. He's like, you know what? It wasn't exactly what I wanted, but I stuck through it (laughs) throughout the extent. uh, So that's some real patience. It's patience. I mean, I feel like that's what we do with the Criterion films a lot of weeks too, right? It's like, maybe it's not what you want, but you 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 work your way through it and you hope that by the end you'll get something out of it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what you could do instead is, uh, I've heard uh, people are taking like plastic wrap, like cellophane or uh, press and seal and putting that over their ATM uh, or their debit machines. Mm. And then after someone does the buttons, then you take it off. But I mean, I guess if, if you're doing no. like, I don't know, how, well, how many transactions today do you think you had like 50? Yeah. Yeah, so that's a lot of plastic wrap.
0: Yeah, yeah, and everyone's paying by debit, and then mm-hmm.
1: once in a while, people throw, "Hey, I got some cash here for you." <laughs> like it's just been burning in my wallet for four months. Mm-hmm. I've had my, nowhere to spend it. My, my uh, COVID bucks. COVID bucks. Well, at least Canadian money can mm-hmm. be washed, right? That's
0: true. Um, our very first customer of the day of reopening uh, did mention how the flu has killed more people than COVID. <laughs> And the second person wanted to do a return from something they bought via uh delivery. Mm. And the third person was wondering if we were interested in acquiring their pog collection.
1: And I was <laughs> like, Man, it's like it's just like a regular Thursday. So, okay, the pogs. Was there a theme to the pogs? I didn't
0: see. I didn't see no th- pogs. This was like this guy was in his sixties, and he was wearing a face mask. I will point out he was the only mm-hmm. one of the three uh, that was. But he thought it was a priority to risk his uh, health <laughs> and safety to say, "Hey, you, you sell, you buy those pogs." And uh, I, no, no, I don't.
1: I agree. I think that is a priority. I, I, I'm curious as to how many slammers he has because, Jarrett. Today I was going through my closet because Andrea always wants me to clean stuff. You know, she's always wants, always wants me to get rid of my stuff. Um, and I found a pog collection. Wow. You, you brought that with you? Oh, 100 percent. And there, it's even it's novelty pogs. It's Batman, uh, Batman Forever pogs that I believe were from like McDonald's or Pizza Hut or something like that. So it's like Jim Carrey, Riddler, Tommy Lee Jones pogs. And there are a couple slammers in there. Got him in a little duot tang. It's got a note on it, it says RJ's pogs and, did, and did,
0: uh, so did you have the, the the pog pages?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I got pog pages maybe. Yeah. So
0: yeah, I'll, I'll take I'll, some pictures. I'll I'll definitely uh admit that I also uh dabbled in Pogdom as I was the marketed age, I guess, are at you, that time.
1: Are you still a pog head or what?
0: No. No, I'm not. not. Because it's like when I think of it I'm like, wow, that was really dumb.
1: Are you saying if someone brought There's, you a, a slammer right now, you wouldn't feel tempted to slam that son of a bitch right, right on the ground?
0: Nope. Uh, in fact, the weird thing was so, like, after this, it, it like, startled me. And it's like, oh, what, 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 how, is, is there a Pog community?
1: There's going to be once well, I get well, back into this There is thing.
0: There is some kind of community. Uh, there was a guy who did an unboxing video of 2,000 Pogs. Um, mm. And he was showing the slammers. There's like a history of pogs that's like very brief. It's not going to turn into a Netflix miniseries, I don't think. But like there like the different styles of how to use the slammer. Some people like put it right mm. up against the top of the stack and then make them flip. Other people, mm-hmm. of course, want to throw it, launch it down yeah. upon the stack. But I'm like I have no idea what the right way was because um, it seemed like people were more into collecting pogs than they were playing with their pogs
1: well isn't that the case of any fine collectible fine artisan collectible is not actually understanding how it's meant to be used but just taking it in regardless uh yeah i mean i'm talking to a guy i mean i buy
0: blu-rays i mean mm-hmm. i even watch some of them
1: i'll i'll say like full full up front i never i was too young to know what pogs how they were supposed to be played so i would just put it put the pogs in a stack and with a slammer i would just throw that son of a bitch right down on top of it mm-hmm. i didn't know any different
0: that sound, sounds like you were doing something right for months i
1: do i do a lot of things right jared i mean i have batman forever pogs so uh checkmate perhaps check
0: i've been cooking rj what i made myself a chicken vindaloo
1: chicken vindaloo oh did you make the vindaloo from scratch From
0: scratch level?
1: how did it turn out
0: pretty great
1: pretty great yeah. i uh i really like vindaloo but i find the protein with vindaloo is uh tough to peg down sometimes do you know what i mean
0: nope what are you what are you talking about
1: well okay so like for a while i was eating lamb vindaloo and i was like this is good but i was like but i also don't really want to eat lamb Yeah. Uh, And then so I went to Beef vindaloo, and Beef vindaloo was good too. But then I felt like the quality of beef that was in the vindaloo I was purchasing wasn't great. So I was like, man, it's like maybe I could make it at home.
0: Yeah. What can't you get it in any meat that you desire?
1: Yeah. I just what I'm saying is the place I was getting it. I wasn't. I wasn't super satisfied with the meats that they were serving. Well, that's
0: yeah. I mean. I, I don't know. I, I've I have found that uh beef strips and beef in mm-hmm. general just uh I don't know. It's a you never know what you're gonna get. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a box of chocolates.
1: Ooh. See Jared's talking about popular films now. Very popular. popular. I know there's a the, a local or that can Moxies. That I was gonna say, like Canadian chain. I, I I think that's in the states. I don't I have no fucking idea, but like they a lot they do a lot of like steak vindaloo salads, whatever that means. Hmm. I saw that on a menu once, and I was like, I don't know what that means. Does that mean there's like curry steak, curry like vindaloo on top of a salad? Because like I don't know if that'd be good.
0: Well, I mean, sure. I mean, it's just like a tomatoey, like super spicy paste
1: i guess i mean it could be
0: yeah i mean i had assumed that they would make it well, actually the reason why it might work because uh vindaloo is supposed to be very vinegary mm. so a little vinaigrette you're saying uh not maybe not that vinegary
1: do you ever just um you ever just need vinegar no i don't I, I like it. I like. I really like because I think I've said before I'm really into those salt and vinegar chips. So I tried to make that salt and vinegar popcorn, and I don't know what it is, dude. Like we we've been cleaning with vinegar a lot. Like we have like our kettle that gets calcium all over it, and we just you hit it with some vinegar, and it just comes right off. And it's like, man, vinegar's got it all.
0: So you want to hear about some emails?
1: <laughs> I suppose. Let me have it.
0: Well, not that many this week. All right. First up, we've got Oliver Granger, Ooh, baby, with an email entitled "Who Asked About Travel?" Well, that was Justin mm. Peterson, and he writes, yeah. "Vegas fucking sucks, man. It's not glamorous. <laughs> mm. It's dirty and crass, and not in a charming way. The only place I really enjoyed in Vegas was the Pinball Museum, just a crappy warehouse full of mad mm. pinball games. The best place in America for sure is New Orleans. The culture, music, food, people—just incredible." And good drinking. Open bar laws.
2: Hmm.
1: He's saying the best, but I wonder if he's ever been to Creepsville. Do you know what I mean? I know that's not in America, but still. Well, it's, yeah, it's not. (laughs) It's an excellent point. I mean, it's almost the same thing, right? Almost. Maybe we can meet him in New Orleans uh, whenever the next SummerSlam is there.
0: Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I bet Sam Sanchez would come, right? Uh, uh, Those Vinegar Syndrome uh, Blu-rays don't buy themselves, and the plane tickets are expensive, though they're probably going to be really cheap in the future if Mm -hmm. if anyone ever wants to take that risk ever again.
1: I mean, I don't, but uh, I did get an email from Vinegar Syndrome today that says they're halfway to Black Friday, even though I've never bought from Vinegar Syndrome ever. Really? Yeah, your, I've never bought anything to, from Vinegar Syndrome. To your, Syndrome. like, personal email? Yeah. Huh. wait, like, here, I'll pull it up for you, because maybe I was on the website one time or something, but it was, yeah, it was, like, Vinegar Syndrome, halfway to Halloween. I deleted it already, clearly. So let's go to trash here, Jared. <laughs> Vinegar Syndrome, set your alarm clock to me. Yeah. I don't know. That's weird. I've never bought anything on there before. Hmm.
0: Must be all those lists I've been signing you up for paying off. At long last.
1: Maybe it's kind of like how you're getting all those Clone Wars uh, advertising. Well, yeah, I I definitely know that's your fault. I still don't think it is because I I feel like I've never sent anything about the same such to you, but, you know, whatever. Whatever makes you feel better. Next email.
0: Uh, Old uh, George Holshimer.
1: George Holshimer
0: minor a lit in friend from skypeville oh interesting yeah mm-hmm. you're right scenes that bum you out hello creeps mm. how is it going around here social life is opening up again in 10 days we can even go to the cinema again wow Ooh. most new releases have been postponed but they are showing some older movies so i hope to get to see interstellar again on the big screen i remember that movie mm-hmm. is one of the best of the decade i hope it holds up I watched that movie not that long ago, and I thought it was like even better than when I saw it the first time. Mm-hmm. It's a good show,
1: man. They're all good shows.
0: Some episodes ago, you were talking about The Longest Yard, and I thought that I had mm. seen the remake but didn't remember it as an Adam Sandler movie. Turns out I watched the other soccer-based remake, Mean Machine. I remember it as a super Mm. fun Guy Ritchie style early 2000s movie. Neither of logged it, but I would call it the superior remake of The Longest Yard. No Burt Reynolds, sadly. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, and and of course, uh, the original Longest Yard has uh, a mustacheless Burt Reynolds, who's the best Burt Reynolds. Why do you say that? Because when he has the mustache, he becomes this big goofball, and he fucking Mm. sucks. That's why I say that.
1: I'm looking at this Mean Machine by uh, Barry Skolnick. Uh, mm-hmm. It looks like Vinny Jones is the lead. Yes. What's your take on Vinny Jones?
0: Uh, he he had this moment, you know. He was the you know the big enforcer goon or whatever in soccer and or sorry football, and uh, mm-hmm. now he is. Uh, I don't know. He <laughs> does he do anything?
1: Well, I mean, I think you're downplaying his appearance in the Midnight Meat Train. See, I don't, I don't even remember that. I mean, what about his, his appearance as the Juggernaut? Well, yeah, I mean, that's low-bearing fruit. But, but what has yeah. he, what has he yeah. done for us lately? I mean, it doesn't look like much. He was in the remake of The Magnificent Seven, apparently. So. Yeah. There you go.
0: Oh, George continues. In the Ona Bo- mm. Baba episode, Archie couldn't remember why under the skin left him depressed. Well, mm. maybe it had something to do at the scene where a dog drowns followed by the owners. And then a crying infant left in the rising tide. When I saw the movie, I had a child of a similar age and it haunted me for weeks. I still get anxious thinking about that scene.
1: No, I, I, I remember that scene, uh, that's one of the reasons it bummed me out a lot. I just mean, like, in general. I don't know why, but, like, after I watched that movie, I was just... I guess it's just the movie as a whole. I was just like, man, I'm fucking bummed out now. But uh, that scene specifically, because, I mean, it's a... I don't even remember that part. It's a... I mean, it's a long... It's like a five-minute scene. Like, um, I, I remember it very explicitly. It's, it's super depressing, but I think maybe the scenes, like a metaphor for, like, humanity today, maybe? Jarrett?
0: While listening to an older episode, uh. I was wondering about the outcome of a discussion. Did you, Jarrett, ever end up watching Atlanta? I think it's great and oh. fairly unique for a TV show, so I think you should give it a try mm-hmm. if you haven't. I have not yet watched Atlanta. I, I kind of take a, well, a certain pleasure, I guess, at this point that I haven't watched it because RJ is so adamant that I watch it.
1: But it's great. That's fine. And and remember remember I told you you should watch Terror. And I was like, it's great. I think you'd like it. And you're like, yeah, I'll just get to it. And then you did watch it. And you're like, yeah, I liked it. And I was like, yeah.
0: I liked it more mm-hmm. than you did from the sounds yeah, of it, I too. Know.
1: So maybe you would even like Atlanta more than I did.
0: Maybe. Or the opposite of that.
1: Well, all I'm saying is that I think that's three separate people have emailed in to try to convince you to watch Atlanta so uh when are you gonna pull the pin I
0: don't know what's it on nothing that great
1: (laughs) it's on uh it's on fx I think
0: oh wonderful oh good yeah fx is the garbage of Canada like you have to like have like a special package just for fx I think yeah oh well good good luck with that Finally, how do you prefer your lighting when you watch a movie at home? I always turn uh, off most of the lights, so it's just the TV and a small light behind me. It feels cinematic, and I get less distracted, but my wife thinks it's weird. Sitting in the dark in your living room, what's your preference? Why, how could you watch a movie otherwise?
1: Okay, so I, I have two points to this. I am also of the uh, full dark, no stars approach as a my roommate scott used to say that's a stephen king thing so i i do like going in full dark for the movies um i don't know how that'd be different from a movie theater right like it's not weird however sometimes when i am watching tv with andrea or if we're watching like one of her movies she does like to have a lamp on for like backlighting or something because she wears glasses and she says sometimes she gets like a I don't know, like a, a glaze in the glasses or something. I don't know. I have perfect vision, so I've never had to deal with well, that shit. I but,
0: have uh, glasses, and that sounds like a bunch of hooey. Is she afraid? Well, is, is she
1: afraid of the dark?
0: Is she or she was, or is she afraid of you?
1: I mean, it's probably both, but it's also probably maybe some kind of eye condition. Who's to say? I see. I see. Who's to say? So she likes a little backlighting, but uh, I mean, I like it dark.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's weird at all. I mean, that's the way it should be.
1: Mm-hmm. Young or old, it doesn't matter. No. In the dark.
0: All right. Have a mm. good show. I'm going to try to watch a 1962 Italian movie I never heard of.
1: Welcome. Is to that the, the movie? <laughs> the Club? Yeah. Is that what we watched or is he talking about
0: something else? Uh, that's the one that we just watched and we're going to be talking about in a little oh. bit.
1: Well, we'll get there, I guess.
0: Finally, we've got
1: Justin Peterson.
0: Ooh, with baby. an email entitled Big Russia Boy Justin Peterson. Ooh. Hey, Jared and RJ, what's happening? It's funny that RJ mentioned Alexander Nevsky last week during my email since I was actually watching that excellent Russian medieval war movie right before I started listening to the show. Huh. Hmm. <laughs> what a odd coincidence.
1: That It's extremely weird. Uh,
0: Yeah, I recall you talking about passports in association with going to Russia. How it worked when I was there was your hotel would actually hang onto them to help prevent them from getting stolen while you were walking around, which is a good thing since I actually had the awful experience of being harassed by street cops while I was there. I was walking down a popular pedestrian street drinking a beer from a street vendor when all of a sudden these two cops were telling me that it was illegal to drink there and started demanding that I pay them and hand over my passport. I then tricked them into thinking I only had a couple of rubles and they eventually left me alone. That sounds like so much fun. I can't wait to go to Russia <laughs> now.
1: I mean, you'll get that here, too, if you cross paths with me. Oh, yeah? you are, oh
0: are you the wallet inspector?
1: Wait a minute. That's not the wallet inspector.
0: Otherwise, the experience of being in Russia was amazing, especially seeing all of the old Soviet-era relics that are still around. Back when I dreamed of being a filmmaker, I thought so much about wanting to make a Period piece about the rise of Lenin coming to power in Russia. If you guys could make a big budget historical epic drama, what story would you want to tell?
1: Uh missing Indigenous women in Canada. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean it's his. It's history now, right?
0: It's still happening, RJ. <laughs> it's I an, know. It's an...
1: <laughs> that's I, well. I'll get to there when I talk about okay. creeping. That's that's my that's my whole point. You know what I about
0: okay. uh, to yeah. to sidestep this, I guess, I would say yeah. that I really wish that uh, Stanley Kubrick had made his Napoleon film that he, apparently mm-hmm. he was working on forever and ever, um, mm-hmm. but then he just kind of wound up making Barry Lyndon, which is also great, but yeah. I think I, I've been really curious to see with his uh, Jack Nicholson
1: uh, yeah. Napoleon.
0: Might have been pretty neat.
1: I think it would have been really neat. Yeah. I personally would love like a Genghis Khan with like maybe someone like um, John Wayne in a, in a role or something like that. hmm Has anything like that ever, ever happened or?
0: Uh, who knows? Who, who knows? Indeed. Indeed. Um, speaking of going abroad, have you guys ever traced back where your ancestors came from? I am mostly Scandinavian with roots back to Sweden, Norway, Denmark, and Germany. And during my study abroad, I did make sure to check out each of those countries with Norway being my favorite because of how beautiful the fjords are. Fjords? Correct. <laughs> how, how about it, RJ? Have you ever traced back your ancestry?
1: I'm almost a hundred percent Hungarian. Uh, almost
0: one hundred percent.
1: Almost. Um, I, I haven't needed to trace it because uh, it's it's common. It's been commonly passed down from my family. My grandparents came from Hungary to creepsville alberta canada in 1904 i believe and when they lived in hungary we have these there's two regions like like the areas that they're from we still know where they are my brother went back there like 10 some years ago and he met some distant cousins of ours and stuff like that so i mean based on my body hair alone you can tell i'm some sort of european right jared uh no comment okay okay what about you i i mean you kind of look like some to quote the cable guy, some kind of Asian. <laughs> I I don't know. I I don't want to assume anything. So if mm. you know, I'd I'd love to hear it.
0: Uh yeah, uh my grandfather was like off the boat Irish, and mm. my uh, God, I'm, I'm trying to think about this. My grandmother on my dad's side was Danish, I think. Mm. I believe, mm. and then on my mom's side my grandfather was american oh. he was uh like he was like you know that those roots those uh chitwood roots mm-hmm. go, go all the way to virginia wow virginia duncan Yeah, eh? for, for but I, think, I mean obviously coming from england at some point and then throwing in there a little bit of like kind of like somewhere between either german or russian depending on mm-hmm. where the uh the lines fell and then probably
1: fleeing bolsheviks Hmm. So you're just a mud of yeah. many different names, I guess. Yeah. I'd like to think of you as a Virginia Duncan. I think that's a would be a, a good name for a tree. Like a strain of tree. No.
0: Just another stupid white man.
1: I mean you said it. <laughs> you know?
0: Goat movie question mm. of the week. What are your greatest movies of all time that scared the shit out of you? The original for me was The Exorcist, when I, which I watched when I was far too young, and I always, uh, I was always creeped out about the reputation of Psycho, since for some reason, mm-hmm. as a kid, I always thought that Norman Bates killed his mom in that,
1: like in real life. Like the movie was a documentary, documentary of real life murder. Do you think that's what he means?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: No, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I've mentioned in. Uh, Maybe Ghoul School number one, our Secret Origins episode from three and a half yeah. some years ago. I think I've always mentioned that um, my mom made me watch scary movies a lot. Things like Poltergeist and uh, um, Child's Play. And then it really scared the living shit out of me. So um, those ones, I mean, I don't I don't necessarily think they're super scary now. But like when you're like five years old and you, you're forced to watch Child's Play, uh, I mean, it can be pretty... It can leave a mark, Jared. Like clearly, I'm unstable, right? Oh yeah. I have many coping mechanisms as a uh, result of uh, these things that have transgressed. So uh, those would be two of mine. I don't know about you though. Um,
0: I mean, one of the most recent movies I watched that I found like it wasn't it didn't scare the shit out of me, but maybe I had like just pause and get up and walk around. And I've mentioned this one many times before. Is uh, Marina Devan's "In My Skin" from 2002. Mm. That, that movie is very like oh fuck <laughs> but uh, it is, it's like i don't know uh, since i was a kid what scared me when i was a kid I, a lot of things scared me i'd watch scary movies and i'd have bad nightmares hmm. but there's no like real like i mean i think the movie the stuff really uh, made an impact cuz i didn't know if it was a dream or not uh, <laughs> yeah. for years i like that yeah you because know, it's like that that white goo it's like mm-hmm. oh it's going to it's going to absorb you yeah oh actually and the the blob uh remake mm-hmm. that vhs cover probably scared me more than like any other movies that have
1: i uh i think it's funny that you say the stuff just because like i didn't know this stuff until like three four years ago and when i think of this stuff mm-hmm. it just like i don't think the stuff is a bad movie by any right or anything like that but it's just it makes me smile it's like the stuff <laughs> the why stuff why not The stuff. It it just reminds me. I think we talked about that whipped stuff. Yeah. Puff Whiff or Whiff Mm. Puff? What is that called? It's marshmallow, like whipped marshmallows. Puff it? I don't know. Puff it? Okay, I'm going to. Whipped.
0: Is this important?
1: Marsh. Yeah, this is important. Marshmallow product. How do you look up things on the internet, Jarrett? No, you have to wait until the library
0: is open. Oh, wait. Jet Puffed. Uh, that's
1: what I'm thinking of.
0: Okay. I see. Maybe
1: that's a Canadian version. It looks like the American one is fluff, but uh, we have Jet Puffed.
2: Uh Yeah. yeah.
0: I got the idea yeah. for this week's goat question because I was enjoying Joel Edgerton's 2015 thriller, The Gift, a movie that shows Jason Bateman being a real SOB. What are your memories of watching this one? I've never seen this movie. Have you? Uh,
1: i have i thought it was really good um and i think it's a nice tale of uh when you be careful what you do to your friends jared because i remember the night i watched it was a night that this guy i know let's call him darrett Junkin, he uh he decided to go to calgary to watch (laughs) this argento movie called suspiria uh i was in the city that very day uh And uh, I was never told about it, uh, which is fine. But then I went home and I watched this little film called The Gift. I believe I could have my timeline way off, but I'm pretty sure it was the same day. Mm. And uh, don't look into it. Just uh, just go for the ride. And um, it was The Gift is a story about, you know, being careful about what you do to other people, Jared, because Mm. sometimes that might come back on you.
0: Yeah, it seems to have like a very mixed reaction.
1: I liked it. I think... Well, that movie... Like what's
0: wrong with that movie poster on Letterboxd? It's not good. What is that?
1: It's, it's not good, dude. It's, it's
0: like Brian Peppers-esque. <laughs> is, this, uh, remember, is this the remember,
1: first Brian Peppers we've ever talked about? I think it's probably... I, probably. If anyone doesn't know who Brian Peppers is, I encourage you to... Not looking... Up. Do whatever feels uh, right. Um, I... I actually like The Gift a lot. I think it's a real Jarrett movie. And uh, this was the one that actually switched me on Joel Edgerton because forever I thought he was up there with the, um, those guys that, all those guys I always talk about how I hate. He was up there. And then I watched The Gift and I was like, you know what? Maybe he's not a bad guy.
0: So, RJ, The, the Gift was, you watched it the next day.
1: Oh. Oh, you know what I bet it was? I bet I I started it before midnight and I logged it after midnight.
0: Because oh, you know what? You watched, uh, I, it was like, look at that. You didn't watch a whole movie for an, like a week. And the movie you watched before that, Forever Young, starring The Fallen Sun. And before that, Hamlet, starring The for, The Fallen Sun. And before that, Lawrence Olivier. <laughs> see? Do you oh, see wow. what
1: kind of week I had?
0: Yeah, it's pretty pretty wild.
1: And then all to lead up to the day that uh, the, the, this the, guy. The
0: ultimate betrayal.
1: The ultimate betrayal. So uh, that's uh, that's always been my understanding of the gift
0: you know there's people who think brine peppers isn't real and then but then you find out how like fucked up it actually is
1: yeah i mean that's that's one of those things where it's like it's it's a joke kind of but then when you look into it you're like oh this is uh oh this has
0: got like way worse just all of a sudden
1: yeah you're like this isn't the sort of thing we should be joking about okay all
0: right here we go uh Finally, a little right. movie game I thought would be interesting. I will name a couple of movies, and you guys will guess the common star rating that one of you or a friend of the show gave to those movies according to Letterboxd, and I will send RJ an answer key on Twitter.
1: Kate, I'm. Uh, I have my Twitter up, popped up here. I'm not. I'm trying not to look at the stars, but I I am looking at the names of the people. Do you have the names of the people I available? Do, I, I
0: do have. Okay. I see that first up is RJ.
1: Okay. So I should know what I rated this, but let's see if you can guess. Okay. Uh, Dark Star. The John Carpenter movie? Yep. Oh, it's not good. <laughs> so I, I don't know. What, what did you rate Dark Star? I, I, I haven't rated it. Uh,
0: it's, as far as I know. Because I haven't watched not, the movie in a long time.
1: I watched it like three, four months ago. Well, I, I remember I, what I rated it. I feel it like it. there's
0: a theme here. Firestarter.
1: Is that the next one? Yeah. Okay. And whose who's rating is that? Uh, This is you. Oh, okay.
0: Uh, yeah. The next movie is The Night Porter. <laughs> uh-huh. and, then, and the final one is Orange County.
1: Orange County? Like the uh, Colin Hanks movie? Mm-hmm. I like that movie. That shouldn't be in there with all the rest. No. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Huge, huge mistake. So, yeah. Mistake. I, I, what? All those other movies are bad. Orange County is a good movie. I don't know why, because uh, I was just like, that doesn't fit in there, and I just popped it up. So, I know the star ratings. I gave to them all now. Can you guess?
0: Uh, of the movies that you have posted? Uh, yeah. Um, I feel like Dark Star would maybe be like a two and a half if we're, if we're like – Really being lucky if it even had a rating. Mm -hmm. Uh, Firestarter, I think, was like maybe a two and a half. Night Porter, I think, is like two stars. Mm -hmm. And Orange County, I mean, obviously, based on your your fawning praise, uh, (laughs) I mean, we're looking at uh, at least four stars.
1: Okay, well apparent uh it was two stars so you were really close apparently i've given all of those films two stars but i gotta say i'm not sure where this two stars to orange county yeah, came yeah because I, uh that's what i have
0: i remember seeing that at some point and i'm like i don't know what rj was doing at one point rating right these yeah. movies
1: yeah i don't know um those other ones yeah dark stars not great Firestarter, i can't remember i'd have to watch it again so maybe i should take that off um Night Porter not good, but Orange County is a good show. So I don't know okay. what I was doing. Um
0: next up is me. So you're okay. going,
1: you're going to be guessing RJ.
0: Okay. <laughs> what a coincidence. In the Mouth of Madness.
1: Uh five stars then, I suppose. Interstellar. Okay.
0: Ex Machina. Okay. South Park bigger, longer and uncut. Okay.
1: Is that it? Yep. My guess is four stars just because um that seems to be more in your in line with you. These are all four and a half star movies.
2: What
1: shit. Well you got me, man. Mm-hmm. I would have guessed four just because you don't <laughs> rate stuff high ever and people have yeah. commented on it how they don't like you.
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh yeah. So mm-hmm. uh big Russia boy, Justin Peterson. Uh we got so three colors red, mash. The Monster Squad
1: and Green Room. Well, Monster Squad and Green Room are five-star affairs, both of them. So uh, that's my guess. But what about you? Um, Hmm. Well,
0: I would assume that... uh, Hmm. Hmm.
1: Don't look into it. I'm not I'm not no, I mean, no,
0: I'm not looking. I'm not looking. I'm, I'm you're just I'm, thinking I'm, I'm I'm thinking about computing. This, this could be like a, a real I don't know if you go five on these.
1: I'm not sure what you thought of Green Room. Maybe there's so I don't know, I'd say four stars. It, MASH is a wild cartoon, right? Because some yeah. people have super sentimental attachment to MASH.
0: But not I don't know if it's about the movie though. Mash MASH movie mm-hmm. and MASH TV show are very different things. I I don't really know a lot of people who have like nostalgia for the MASH movie.
1: I, I got gotcha. you. Do you want the answer here? Yes, please. Three stars. Three stars. Whoa. So three stars to Green Room, which is outrageous. That is outrageous. To say the least. hmm
0: Frank Solano Inglorious oh, yeah. Bastards, Ladybird. Jean-Luc mm-hmm. A Woman is a Woman, Scooby-Doo and Batman, The Brave and the Bold.
1: Well, again... I mean, just going off of my own personal things, but Batman Brave and the Bold, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, Jared, but that is an amazing TV show. Amazing. So uh, I'm, my guess is high, high praise. High, high praise. Mm-hmm. What about you? I don't know. Four and a half? Four and a half? Let's go to uh, the survey here. Survey says five stars. Okay. <sighs> Batman Brave and the Bold is wicked good. Trust me. Trust me.
0: Sam Sanchez The Simpsons movie Exorcist 2 the heretic now you see me and Tusk <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: the, the first three I went to uh I wouldn't have been able to tell but with Tusk in there like I don't know half a star maybe one star
0: well Exorcist 2 is not good Tusk I've never seen but no it's I just know it's bad uh and the Simpsons movie I I've seen parts of it and it was it's pretty lame uh, two and a half. Uh, let's go check. Uh, one star. Ooh, wow! One star. Real some I, real heat there. I I to Sam Sanchez is mm-hmm. not, not one to drop those ones except for uh, some of these Corman movies.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, some of them are deserving.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I guess I don't know. There's like there's like a different there's a degree of like what a one star Roger Corman is and like what a one star Kevin Smith movie
1: is. I I agree completely, but uh, Kevin Smith, I I know uh, I was watching on my letterbox the uh, friend of the show Reese Haxall, he uh, was watching Yoga Hosers and uh, Tusk and not a fan, and uh, he's uh, from all I can gather a fellow Canadian boy, so mm-hmm. I I would trust his opinion, um, but uh, you know Simpsons movie I watched in theaters and I th- I remember thinking it was fine, but I don't know I'm not gonna revisit it anytime,
0: Ryan. Nagel.
1: Baby. Face off. Got?
0: Street trash. Contagion. The Exorcist Three. Oh, five stars. Hundred percent. Hundred percent? Hundred percent. What do you got? Don't don't you have the answers over there?
1: <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm 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 playing the rules. I'm not looking.
0: Okay. Um, I'd say fuck. I
1: don't know. Four stars. Yeah, let's look here. Four stars, you're right. You know him better than I do.
0: I think uh, because of the time, I was very heartbroken that he didn't love street trash more. But uh, it's understandable,
1: as you always say, though. Four stars is pretty, pretty, pretty good, good. yeah, yeah, right. It's pretty good.
0: (laughs) Oh, Jackson Scorsese's Cape Fear Sabotage, the Fellowship of the Ring, Island of Lost Souls. Two stars, two stars.
1: One of those things does not belong. Fellowship of the Ring is a five-star film, but, I but know, Island I, of Lost Souls.
0: I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking two stars.
1: <laughs> is it because Actium Jackson Maximus is too into transcendental filmmaking? <laughs> okay, I'm going to I'm gonna say three just because oh, it's no. like... No, it's I, too I'm high. I'm hoping... Okay, let me... Uh, two and a half stars. Okay, okay, right in between. Right in between, I, why, why doesn't Jackson like Fellowship? That's an amazing
0: movie. I don't know. Amazing. There's, there's, amazing. People, who, there's people who don't give a shit about Lord of the Rings, RJ. <laughs> they exist. Well, but why? I don't know. <laughs> Some people don't. All right. All right. And last but not least, Oliver Granger. Mm. Mm. Near Dark, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, Bone Tomahawk,
1: Rain Man. Three of those are very good. Um I don't particularly care for Near Dark, so I'm gonna say three stars. Hmm. Oh man,
0: I don't know. I don't know how our listeners are feeling being letterbox letterbox stalked, <laughs> letter stalked,
1: well, letter stalked. You,
0: uh, you can write <laughs> in and let us know.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Fuck.
0: Um. Well. I'd say like, because oh, well, Oliver tends to only rate in whole stars.
1: Man, maybe three, hard to say. three stars. So we agree, we think three stars. Yeah. Okay. Do 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 do. Three and a half. What stars, Jared?
0: <laughs> what the fuck? Well,
1: he We're doesn't, getting well, thrown he, for a
0: loop here. He doesn't. He doesn't rate things half stars anymore, really.
1: Well, maybe these are early ratings like how i wait three and a third stars three and a half what okay well
0: Oh, uh, <laughs> he might have mistyped that he probably that, i would assume three and a half
1: i saw three and one dash and i i assumed three and a half but yeah i think that might have been a mistype so but why don't we just say three and a third
0: sounds good
1: mm-hmm. nice nice
0: uh, I don't know if he actually ends that email. Oh, there we go. Sorry for any of the friends of the show that I missed or if your opinions of these movies have changed since the last time you logged them. Mm -hmm. Thanks Mm -hmm. for the time, guys, and have a great show. Thank you, everybody.
1: Yes, thank
0: you. Hey, RJ. You've been watching anything this week? You've been creeping on anything? How about about (laughs) movies? I mean, in this period of time in our lives, we should be watching more movies than ever before.
1: We are, but not- But not things we can talk about. Because I'll let you, I'll lay it on you like this, Jared. I think I watched over 10 movies this week. Yeah. However, I think seven of them I can't talk about yet. <laughs> and uh, three of them are related to our actual thing that we do for this podcast. Oh, right. So. That being uh, Well, you want to hear about some creeping I did? I creeped on a friend of the show, George C. Scott Bailey.
0: Oh, oh
1: no. Well, uh, I mean, it's been brought up before that uh, we are in this Animal Crossing world now where we live digitally in the virtual world. This is the Matrix, Jared. Uh, so a friend of the show, uh, Scott Bailey, reached out to me to um, attend his island in the Animal Crossing world. So I went for a little rip. We had a little meetup. Wow. <laughs> well, well, first, the first ever official... Criterion Creeps meet up uh, took place in uh, the Nintendo world of Animal Crossing. So, uh, what do you think of that, big guy? How did that go? It was great. Uh, his island is unbelievable. He is, I think, for me to achieve what he has, it would take me about four years of playing. Um, so I have resigned that I will never achieve that, uh, necessarily. But uh, he's got a little island, he's got a casino corner, he's got this magnificent Godzilla and Mothra display, which I think is pretty cool. Ooh. Yeah, that's right, Jared. See, I knew that'd get your attention. Uh, he's got a little campsite with um, a UFO flying saucer that uh is doing abductions. It's all there. He's got uh, he actually has uh, some nice Giavo things too. There's a killer doll all over the place uh like actually killing people so that's pretty neat um his island was fantastic uh and then he came to my island which is a dump city uh which is a literal dump and uh I felt pretty embarrassed because I was like my island is a literal toilet but that's kind of the point right you know what I mean so um I don't know about him but I think uh I had a great time it was nice uh to do that, and it was it was interesting too because like so there's no voice chat on Nintendo Online, Jared. So you have to like type it out on the the controller. So oh. there'll be there there was like long extended periods of time where it would just be one character looking down at like their fake cell phone <laughs> for like a minute, and then the word bubble would come up and it'd be like "lol." For I, and I, <laughs> live in life. I, I'm not living life, man. Loving life. Um, I'm I'm painting that in a bad picture, but I think that's part of the appeal and the charm. It's like that's that's what the game is. It's it's very slow paced, Jarrett. It's very right. slow, but that's the point. I gotcha. Uh, so it was great. I got a ton of screenshots. I'll put them out on our Instagram. Um, sometime I, I I meant to do it earlier, but you have to do this thing where you have to link it to a Facebook account or some horseshit. I don't know. Ryan, my buddy Ryan Nagel, he was trying to tell me and. I, I got it. I just didn't want to do it yet cuz I'm extremely lazy. Um so I'm going to do it uh, eventually and then I'll put those out there. But uh the cr- Criterion Creeps have uh reached the Nintendo World and he actually even had a a Criterion themed shirt. Wow. So uh I'll put that out there eventually. So that was that was a r- real life virtual creeping that I attended to. Okay. Want to and... hear about some indigenous filmmaking? Sure. And then some Star Trek, perhaps? Of
0: course, Absolutely.
1: Do you, before I even get into it, just so I know how much to talk about Star Trek, did you watch anything this week?
0: Nope.
1: Just, Would you like just, to talk just, about any of your role-playing games? Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I've been watching lots of Corman movies, and then I did watch uh, a bunch of shit for the actual movie tonight. So, I didn't have a ton of time, but I watched two Canadian films, Jared. Canadian, well, sh- short films. So I watched one called Stolen from a uh, 2016, and would you believe Jarrett that uh, I am one of four people who have this movie logged on Letterboxed. I see that. So uh, pretty pretty wild. This is made by a lady called Devry Jacobs. I think she's the lead, and uh, I mean as a short, it is what it is. There's not like a ton to it. I think it actually like it looks it looks good, but uh, it's just. It's kind of like, I think, drawing attention to this, uh, what after I Googled has been announced a Canadian national crisis and a Canadian genocide. Um, I I knew about it before, but I I wasn't sure like what the uh, online presence of this was because I was like, I feel like after I logged this, people would be like, what is this thing? What's going on in Canada? But uh, there's this crisis up here where uh, a lot of Indigenous women are kidnapped and never found. So this is kind of just showing like a potential story of like that. So I thought it was actually pretty good. And I've always thought for like the last year or two, uh, I was like, this would make a, a terrific like documentary, like a Ken Burns or like a, I don't know, some kind of like Hunter S. Thompson type. You know what I mean? Some gonzo journalism, Jarrett, some guy getting in there and actually like some guy or girl getting in there and, uh, I don't know, trying to make this thing, make the awareness bigger for this. Cause my, my big thing, and that's why I brought it up earlier is I think even in Canada, even though this is a thing that has been technically now declared a genocide and national crisis, I bet if you asked people two out of three would have no idea what you're talking about. Well, they will say, Oh,
0: it's not that big a deal.
1: It's like, why, why are you worried about it? It's not going to affect you. Pretty much. But anyways, I watched that and it was pretty good. Like I said, I think it's um, it's just a short, so there's not like a ton to pull out of it. But I think it's more the awareness thing of it. Uh, I don't know if you have anything to add to uh, this situation. No, um,
0: not per se. Yeah, I mean, sometimes the thing with like making these short films on these topics is if they if the short film doesn't nail the subject matter perfectly or like the tone or like elevate, I guess like the material isn't like enough to like get people to watch it. I think that's always like kind of a, that's kind of the impression I get because you're kind of like saying it's just a short film or it kind of feels uh, perfunctory in its making. Yeah.
1: That, that's my bad. I think I don't, I don't mean to like uh belittle it or like put it down by like being a short film. Cause I think short films achieve a thing achieve something like in their own. I think it's actually, I think it is good. It's just, uh, I don't know when, when this would be a thing that people would be watching. If that makes sense. It's like, I I, I don't don't, know where this would come up.
0: Yeah. People don't watch short films, like anything that's longer. Like, I don't know unless it's like fun, Pat kind of content. People don't really Mm. go out of their way to watch these things. And I'm sure like, I'm sure the national film board is like funding a lot of projects that are kind of what you're, talking about like be it you know the missing indigenous women um murdered indigenous women or residential schools (laughs) Mm -hmm. like it just yeah yeah, i'm sure it is talked about uh there's documentaries but the market to see that like you you to see even like you know crowd-pleasing canadian films is non-existent
1: yeah well that's like um the thing too is i think uh residential schools is like it is a th- like becoming more popular in like entertainment media now, and that's a weird way to phrase that, like entertainment media. But like being in education, I see there are like tons of books, like oh, actual yeah. full novels, and then like uh, say graphic novel comic books that are all geared towards it. And even Jeff Lemire did the, that one with Gord Downey that was about rent- residential school. So I think that is a bigger thing. I was even going to say it was like I think this will be prime for comic books and and actual books in about 20 years when uh when people can go oh why didn't anyone do anything and it's like just like those residential schools man we uh we just missed it even though it's current yeah so any anyways yeah it's a uh, difficult stuff jared but uh, this was available on amazon prime well there you go much like this other one uh, I watched called Genie Boy Came Home.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, and in its letterbox description, it's, it says pronounced Genie Boy. Huh. So uh, this on even though Boy. Not Gene Boy, which sounds better, but uh, I mean, his, it says a portrait of Eugene, Gene Boy, pronounced Genie Boy Benedict from Odanac Indian Reserve near Montreal, Quebec. At 17, adrift and beginning to lose his way, he accepted a dare and enlisted in the U.S. Marines and was sent to the front lines of Vietnam. This film is the account of his two years of service and his journey back to Undanak afterwards. So this was directed by Alanis uh, Obamaswin. Who directed a movie I've heard about but I haven't seen called uh, Kanes, uh, Taki? Yeah, two hundred seventy years of resistance, mm-hmm. uh, which looks like a very good. You've seen and you rated quite highly. Yes, I did. So uh, this one, it's um, this one's like a it's like a documentary short, twenty some minutes, and it's mostly just uh, this genie boy talking about what his life was like, and he's like, yeah, we were pretty good, and he's like, and then I kind of got mixed up in Vietnam, he's like, and that was a bad deal. <laughs> He's like, but uh, then I came home. And not to downplay it, but that's kind of all it is. So. Huh. Interesting. You I thought there would be more the to it. U.S.
0: Marines.
1: Know what I mean, Jer? Yeah, he talks about, like, there wasn't, he said work was more lucrative in the States at the time. So he moved down to the States to get into construction and then, uh. I think he he said something like his stepdad thought that he was like drinking too much, so he's like, "Hey, uh, I bet you couldn't last in the Marines." So he goes, and then and then it becomes like a critique about like military school, like uh, service and stuff like that. And he talks a lot about being indoctrinated into military like things. Is I? all right. It's how, Canadian. How about that Star Trek though? Star Trek. All right. So here's my scoop. I am. 10 episodes into season two, which is 22 episodes. Um, I think this is where I left off last week, right? Was I, I just finished season one. Yep. Okay. So Star Trek, I'll, I'll hit you with some fast ones. First episode, the child where, uh, Deanna Troy gets impregnated by an alien. A little weird, <laughs> <laughs> a little weird, Jarrett, but what are you going to do? Um, I thought it was fine. We get the new introduction of the new doctor who I got to tell you, I don't much care for Dr. Mm. Pulaski. Oh yeah. She's like, I don't know. Like they, she's more
0: like can... bones RJ. That's, that was the whole idea.
1: Was that the idea? They like, they kind of make her shitty though. Cause in her first like two, three episodes, she really shits on data. She's like, Hey data. And he's like, no, it's data. And she's like, what does it matter? You're not a fucking person, you piece of shit. And then you're like, wow, this lady sucks. And like, I think it's, eventually she gets there where she does like data and it's like i guess that's character to growth and development but you don't really like her at, at the start anyways i don't know we'll see how she goes so uh child was weird uh episode 2 where silence has lease they get enclosed by a um like a quasar alien that episode was pretty cool elementary dear data oh. which i know you're probably a big fan of so
0: the debut of Moriarty? More
1: the debut is he does he come back? Oh, I've i said too much. Well, because so there's already already been a ton of like Sherlock Holmes, Arthur Conan Doyle stuff linked to data because he's a big fan, and so this was like their play on that, and I was like, I get it. It's like hollow Holode- uh, deck, hollow deck stuff, and it's kind of like an original series when they'd go and like show up in a wild west world and it was just like that's what the world was hollow deck kind of.
0: episodes rj that's what they're called
1: oh i i crave has a whole section it's like 30 hollow deck episodes oh, or something oh like
0: it's like that's like episodes to avoid
1: well i i found it uh Oliver Granger messaged me and he was saying how um cuz I was talking about how i think hollow deck is like would just be a crazy sex palace uh but he was saying he's like he found it hilarious that Every time they go in the Hollow Deck, it tries to kill them, but they still just use it all the time. And it's like, yeah, that's how it seems so far. Right. So uh, are you a big fan of uh, this uh, Sherlock Holmes uh, side story? Not particularly. I mean, I don't know. I have no fond memories
0: of it. I guess when I, when I was younger, I thought it was kind of nov- neat, novel. I don't know. Mm-hmm.
1: It's, um, it's fine. Uh, it's got some cool ideas. Well, because season and, one's uh, got
0: the Robin Hood episode, right? Nope. Oh shit! I haven't, haven't
1: done that yet.
0: Well, there's like well, that's like a whole thing. It's like a Robin Hood thing. Because mm-hmm. I, I think maybe, it's... maybe it trended well, or maybe they teased it. I guess you would know what I'm talking about. If they did. Yeah. Oh fuck! Uh... That's like not till later. Oh, that's like season four.
1: Oof. I from my uh, my limited research, it seems like season four is uh, one of the better seasons.
0: Well, it, uh, also, uh, it also has the episode Qpid.
1: Stupid, fucking Q. I'm not on board with Q yet. I know he's gonna come back more. Fuck, is that even a
0: holodeck episode? God. Or is
1: it a Q? See, that's the thing. Q like manipulates reality, right? So it's like he 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 just is a holodeck. Shit.
0: Yeah. No. Actually, I thought that was a holodeck episode in my mind, but no. You dumb piece of shit. Yeah, that is a. That's like one of the first episodes I think I ever watched too when they were airing. Mm -hmm like uh so like 91 yeah that's when i would have been uh starting to watch and i remember that episode just like i don't know anyways you have that to look forward to
1: <laughs> i uh how, how seen, do you feel about
0: sherwood forest
1: well i mean it's funny you bring it up because i watched a movie today that had some robin hood uh, archetypes brought oh, up into it so you did we'll watch that uh, talk about that a little bit later i i'm i mean in general i'm having a great time with tng it's like i said before it's it's really nice to uh I just like, I'll throw one on before I go to bed and it's like oh, yeah you see Wharf and the gang and they're just all hanging out <laughs> cool. it's it's great uh so okay I'm just giving you quick bits and yep. then I'll talk about one episode I really liked uh so then next up was the outrageous Okana which featured a Han Solo character um he was oh, like oh yeah pick, they picked him up and he he like impregnated like Two different women, or something like that, and he was sexing up every single person on the ship, and he had like a ponytail. But he, like, I as soon as you see him, you are like, "That's supposed to be Han Solo, apparently." Yeah. Oh, and, okay. kind of, and,
0: and a hairy mud as well, a little bit. Yeah, but like more. Yeah, like, more, but a uh, Han Solo'd up.
1: Yeah, a little, a little more sexed up, uh, space style, I guess. But uh, we also start to get uh, the recurring appearance of my girl Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. She is now like uh, ever present. She's you know, that wholesome bartender who's just got awesome sagely advice for you. So, uh, I'm completely on board with that. Uh, next up loud as a whisper where you had the, the mediator, the guy who could like, he's world like intergalactic famous for solving, uh, disputes of races and stuff like that. So he goes to this planet where like people are fighting, uh, but he can't talk. So he's deaf and he's sign languages, but they don't know what sign language is. I see. So, uh, classic star trek oh yeah stu- shit you know uh schizoid man uh that's episode six a guy takes over data he knows the guy who created data i i didn't much care for it i i hate body swap type stuff i've mentioned that lots of times body swap brains brainwash or uh, doppelganger it's not my shit so whatever unnatural selection everyone gets really old the doctor gets really old yep. it's fine uh, a matter of honor uh this is where riker goes over to a klingon ship right. and then uh the enterprise takes on one of those like squidly guys who's like an overachiever and everyone hates him um this one was pretty good just because you get some good klingon stuff and uh you get some prime riker uh and uh Andrea she came in the next episode but she is soon one time riker's it up and she's like, "Holy shit!" She's like, "How tall is that guy?" I was like, "Riker's a pretty big dude. Yeah. He's got those shoulder pads in. He's he's a pretty imposing forester. Pretty they're
0: Almost, they're almost as
1: big as your shoulder pads. Almost. Actually, it's funny you say that because she said I have similar hair to Riker, <laughs> which uh, I don't totally get. But uh, so next up was the one, the big one, which is apparently one of the bigger episodes, uh, "The Measure of a Man." Um, which I made Andrea watch with me, and it's the trial of Data because Starfleet wants to dismantle him uh, so that they can replicate Data's to have on each Starfleet ship. And uh, Picard has to, he goes to trial, and he has to kind of make a, he has to prove that Data is a sentient being uh, and, like, is not property of Starfleet. Uh, So it was very good very good episode it's all about like what it is to be a human jared and how like human beings actually kind of suck and other things are more human than humans are you know what i mean yep so uh that episode was fantastic uh so far the best of season two Mm -hmm. um and then i the next one i just watched was episode 10 called the dolphin and it's about like like people who come on the ship, but then they're actually like real hairy people, and they're like, "Oh, we gotta protect the queen," and it's fine. So whatever. And that's where you're at. That's where I'm at. So I'm 10 in, uh, and there's 20, Two? 22 in this yeah. season. Yeah. So uh, I should be to the end by uh, next week, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. So uh, Star Trek as good as ever. As good um, as ever. I hope everyone's enjoying the Trek talk. I'm sure people absolutely hate it.
0: Oh, they love it.
1: Love it. So uh, whatever, whatever, you know. Hey, RJ, you got any news for us? Well, last week I neglected to tell you about the announcement of the Robert Downey Jr. produced Sweet Tooth adaptation coming to Netflix. That's right. From our boy Jeff Lemire, Jared.
0: That's going to be really disappointing, I bet.
1: I, I figured you'd say that. I will, as always, remain very hopefully optimistic. It is my favorite story, so uh, I hope that there is—I hope there's some good to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I hope it pleases me, and I'm sure it will because I like it so much. But uh, we'll see. Interesting stuff, right, here?
0: Very interesting.
1: But the big news yes. announced just hours ago. Just
0: hours ago, freshly cut.
1: And I'm air-pumping because I feel completely vindicated. Why? uh, Because I feel like I did this. No,
0: you didn't. Assholes on the internet did. Oh, I guess you are like, an well, asshole yes. on the internet. So yeah, exactly. But I real assholes—people are like actively tweeting this—and like th- it's this a campaign, and like it's also anti-woman and anti-minority, and uh, uh, it's all—it's ro- all rolled up into that. Like they're—they're—they're they're, they're all like into this. Like ironically, these people do not actually want this. They just—they they, want to believe that in this. What it, and what
1: this, is this I, anti-woman I, I, campaign that I'm hearing
0: about—this is this is news to me. The Snyder Cut types, yeah, yeah, they are. Okay, dig dig deeper. There's there's, there's connections.
1: Okay, well, so it's the like comic is... skate
0: people, like this. Oh. Yeah, it's all wrapped up. All all the same guys. Yeah, I think so. I don't know if it's hundred percent the same guys, but there's definitely uh, links. Hmm.
1: Okay, well, the big news is that the the Snyder Cut has officially been announced to be coming to hbo max next year they've greenlit it with a additional 20 million to be put into whatever they need to fill in the gaps wow so the news is that it'll it will either be so this is this is like beyond a cut this is so apparently what's happening is he has zach snyder said he's like what What people saw, he's never even seen Justice League. He's like, but what people (laughs) saw based on like what he was told, he's like, they saw maybe a quarter of the footage I cut. He's like, based on that, I have Mm. two-thirds of what else we need. He's like, but we need additional stuff on top. So he it sounds like what it sounds like he has half a movie, and they've given him the green light to finish the other half. How does that happen in a world where it's like filming and crew sets don't actually exist. Actually, that maybe that's not right because he was talking about how a lot of the stuff, the time is right because a lot of it is like effects work that can be done at home.
2: Hmm. The mm-hmm.
1: plot thickens. I don't know, Jared. I don't know. I don't but know. anyway, they can they, they, they can either, really play
0: with that Henry Cavill mustache.
1: Oh, it's gonna be full on now. What they should just leave it in. Who gives a shit? Why can't Superman have a mustache? Why? Why indeed? Why not? Why wouldn't he have one?
0: But sometimes he doesn't have it between frames.
1: Well, I I think it'd be easier to impose one on his face than it was to take one off. Right. No. But any anyways, uh, they said it would either be a four hour movie or a six one hour special. So I think the big point is that we did it. We prevailed. Ah, uh, the BVS supporters out there. We we always always held strong, and uh, it's finally happening for us. Okay, which brings me actually to an interesting point, <laughs> news related. So this is like an alleged result of like fan campaigning, right? I don't know if you've heard of this thing where it's like Rotten Tomatoes or one of those aggregate sites, whatever was doing this thing where it was like they were doing community watches and they were voting for best movies and uh the Star Wars prequel meme Reddit community uh, they were they were trying to promote like Revenge of the uh, Sith and trying to get it all the way through and then the uh it came up against Dark Knight Rises or something like that and then all of these people review bombed the shit out of it and then Dark Knight Rises was at like a 7% or something like that what which is like what Reddit would have me believe, and uh, I think that that's complete horseshit, because uh-huh. it's like, and it completely invalidates all ratings complete like entirely because it's like if these fan community communities just go on there and like we don't like that it's going up against our movie, which has always been the case, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I don't but know it, if it's I don't know if it's always been the case, but it's definitely uh, more like there's like organizing now. <laughs>
1: More present than ever? Yeah. Anyways, I, I think that's complete horseshit. So yeah. I'm glad that the Snyder well, Cut exists. Well, this because, was, because that was a uh, thing with,
0: like, uh, the Captain Marvel movie, too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, like, these, like, these. it's the same types, though. It's these, like, weird, these people who suddenly believe that, like, oh, there's a conspiracy that my DC movies is, like, crap. <laughs> and they think it's, like, wow, well, because they're mindless Marvel zombies. And you're just, like, um... But I mean, I'm not gonna say Marvel movies are good, but mm-hmm. I've I've watched Justice League and my god, that thing that thing's horrible. I can't I I have a hard time believing that there's like like it's gonna be a three star movie at the end mm-hmm. of this with this twenty million dollars touch up money. Like, how many years ago is this movie? Two? Four? Is it is it twenty
1: sixteen? Or I think so. Or oh. two. No. I think it's been two years since the release, of the Snyder cut thing has happened. So, Oh, well, I mean, people
0: were talking about that at the beginning. It, it, it's kind of, it's 2017 was when Justice League uh, okay. came
1: out. Yeah.
2: Ooh,
0: boy.
1: I, I mean, I get it. And I know people aren't like here. The only thing I'm holding on to is that Batman v. Superman had problems in its theatrical cut. But then that director's thing it was like a month ago i was talking about i was like i was like i think that thing actually cleans up a lot of the problems that people had zach snyder's not for everyone i think it is a different issue altogether right. but still uh, i mean i'm 100% on board with it. And I think it's really funny that like not even a month ago because as we've mentioned many times all these new sites are just like w- like really digging for something to get to. I think it was a month ago that all the sites were just like uh why the Snyder cut will never happen and all that shit and it's just like it's like I don't know, who cares, man? Who gives a shit? Who cares? It's cool that it's coming. You want to hear about some August?
0: Releases of Criterion movies.
1: Oh, fuck. Is that still happening?
0: Oh Yeah, they're still making these things for us to all watch right. one day. Uh, well, this isn't too bad of a month, but or is it? So, first of all, we have a Blu-ray release, re-release from a movie. Uh, this movie called The Lost Honor of Katharina Blum. Wow. That is a pretty good show, No, Yeah, it's coming out on Blu-ray. We've got uh, Town Bloody Hall. Uh mm-hmm. A documentary by D. A. Penny Baker and Chris uh, Hejdu. He is a documentary man. That D. A. Penny Baker directing that uh, Bob Dylan documentary. Don't look mm-hmm. back. Ages ago. Um, I'm like mm-hmm. definitely not that excited about this because this looks like it's all like musical acts. I think. No, or mm-hmm. maybe not. What is this here? Standing room only? Okay. Okay. Let me read this one to you. I just realized looking at it closely, it's got Norman Mailer. So I'm like, oh fuck. On April 30th, 1971, a standing room only crowd of New York's intellectual elite, packed the city's town hall theater to see Norman Mailer, fresh from the controversy over his essay, The Prisoner of Sex, and the backlash it received from letters of the women's movement, tango with a panel of four prominent female thinkers and activists, Jacqueline Sabellos, Jermaine uh, Greer, Jill Johnson, and Diana Trilling. Part intellectual deathmatch, part three-ring circus, the proceedings were captured with crackling fly-on-the-wall immediacy by the documentary great D.A. Pennebaker and a small crew with Cr- Chris Hedges, later condensing the three-and-a-half-hour of into this briskly entertaining snapshot of a singular cultural moment. Heady, heated, hilarious, Town Bloody Hall is a dazzling display of feminist firepower courtesy of some of the most influential figures of the era, with Mailer plainly relishing his role as the pugnacious rabble-rouser and literary line at the center of it all. Um, It's a bizarre poster, because like, initially when I see... D.A. Pennybaker and I see the poster, mm-hmm. I go, is this like a concert? <laughs> but I guess it's like a fight poster. I... It's like, like it's old time boxing.
1: Old timey
0: boxing? I think that's what they were going for, but I think they failed at mm-hmm. it. Because it doesn't really make sense. I mean, this seems like this is like kind of an oddity, I think, for the Criterion Collection. They don't really yeah. release things like this at all. I've never heard of this documentary, Town Bloody Hall, before. Um, I find Nate Norman Mailer an interesting dude um and i guess it, this would probably be like a, a real curiosity for some but
1: i um don't look forward to it
0: well you've only got like a thousand years no Well we have actually uh, yeah like 800 movies to go before we get there
1: okay well maybe my, di- my opinion will be different i mean it doesn't it is an oddity, like you said. I'm always weary when uh, something is described as a singular experience. When yeah. everyone's like, it's the most singular experience you'll ever experience. And then you're like, <laughs> what? It's like, what are you fucking talking about? Like, <laughs> uh,
0: what I, I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. We also got uh, The Comfort of Strangers from director Paul Schrader starring Christopher Walken.
1: Is that um, the same as that Ian McEwen uh, book, The Comfort of Strangers? Yes, it is. Isn't that like rough content, Jared?
0: Adapting the acclaimed novel by Ian McEwen, playwright and screenwriter Harold Pinter lends his trademark unnerving dialogue and air of creeping menace to the spellbinding study of power, control, and the frighteningly thin line between pleasure and pain.
1: (laughs) Is that just Hellraiser? And it's got Helen Mirren. I
2: don't know. What, What
1: kind of Helen Mirren though?
0: Wow, this was, what, 1990. All
1: right, all right, all right, all right,
0: all right. Prime.
1: All right, I think that's pretty good. That's pretty good.
0: Prime, and then, uh, oh, not even finally, we also have Tony from 1935. That's actually got, it's a Jean Renoir movie. Oh, no. It's got a nice post. Uh, the artwork, though, for it is really nice. What does it look like? Uh, It's just like this painting of a woman with her dressed down with a bead oh on at back. It's really nice. It's a really good painting. I dig it. It's one of the it's actually one of the better uh arts that I've seen. Oh, Except and Arjesh th- th- There there is a uh, <clears throat> the complete films of Agnes Varda collector set coming. Not 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 the uh Wong kar that everybody's wanting <laughs> or The Devils maybe October, right? Maybe October for The Devils. But yeah, we got all the Varda that you could ever want for a hundred and seventy-five dollars
1: on sale right now. Okay, well, put this into perspective for me. Is it? It'll be one spine number all no, the Ignis Bergman. No, it's not
0: a spine number. It's just it's just a film set. Okay, and then that there, makes what, more what, sense. What they'll eventually do is they'll start putting all these films, probably some of them, into the collection proper. Yeah, okay. but yeah,
1: that makes a little bit more sense
0: then. I'm sure someone will be very happy
1: with that. Uh, you maybe. <laughs>
0: I like I like some of that Varda.
1: Sure. Who doesn't?
0: Who doesn't? Yeah. Um yeah, I think that's it. Alright. After the break, we're going to separate from Creepsville. To do what? I don't know. Run things our way. So the great What's... Creepsla- so the great province of Creepslandia doesn't kick us around anymore. What are you really saying? Text. Form. Subtext. Uh, eh? Huh? I love you, Lenza, Bruda
3: Sanguinosa. Giuliano Boné, Vaguacquembreza a bondage in the liege de da la sopa ma fino in cielo is e si parra vandala con caloro velo tutta coro La con granizia e con decoro aiutavo le povere davvero e le tattava come un frate assoro. Ben c'era con le ricche tanto vero e sparteva denari in tanti, ad orfani di vita e malati. Sin pib, sin per ordine del comando militare, a ad da ad doordine del scopo <tri> 1950, il giorno 5 del mese di luglio, in Castelvetrano, nella via Praterapino Mannone, cortile De Maria, esiste un cadavere di sesso maschile. Ma né mannino, bada la mente a Madonè. E' da me, vuoi sapere? Tu solo sapevano, non erano i picciotti. E tu non parli? Dicillo che tutto quello che abbiamo fatto ce l'hanno ordinato. Dicillo che c'è chi li ha venduti. Portane da chi ha fatto l'affare. Chi ti devono parlare? Chi ti a parlare? Parlerà allare da do Benieri, quando lo volevano far ammazzare. Io ce l'ho la coscienza di uomo, non sono un bandito. Sono venuto qui di mia spontanea volontà perché se facesse giustizia i banditi sono gli altri, quelli che si chiamano onesti. Ma non finisce così. Si dovrà fare un giorno un altro processo, quello per la morte di Salvatore Giuliano, e allora dirò tutto quello che non ho detto qui. <totipo>
0: And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. And tonight we're talking about Salvatore Giuliano. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. That's well, th- pretty th- good. 1962, directed mm-hmm. by Francesco Rossi.
2: Hmm. You're no, nailing it, dude. N-
0: no tagline, but mm-hmm. a synopsis from Letterboxd. Sicilian bandit Salvatore Giuliano's bullet riddled corpse is found face down in a courtyard in Castel Sure. A handgun and rifle by his side. Local and international press descend upon the scene, hoping to crack open the true story behind the death of this young man who, at the age of 27, had already become Italy's most wanted criminal and celebrated hero. Filming in the exact locations and enlisting a cast of native Sicilians once impacted by the real Giuliano, director Francesco, Francesco Rossi harnessed the facts and myths surrounding the true story of the bandit's death to create a startling expose of Sicily and the tangled relations between its citizens, the mafia, and government officials. So RJ, um yeah, what what were you about to say?
1: Nothing. Okay, I was gonna say nothing. It's
0: a good um, description. As we ended last week's episode and I said we would be watching Seltor Giuliano, which I think I Mm -hmm. might've even said Giuliani at the time. Um, who knows, who knows at this point. Yeah. Um, I was like, I have no idea what this movie is going to be about. I like, I realized I had no idea what this movie was going to be. And I briefly looked it up a couple of days before we recorded uh, last week. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, that doesn't sound too bad. That, that mm-hmm. sounds like actually right up my alley, but I, you know, I really don't hear people talk about this one. Uh, Martin Scorsese's got it on his top ten Criterion list, and he's a uh, he's mm-hmm. he considers it one of his twelve favorite movies. Apparently, I, he...
1: I, I can speak to that because uh, in the documentary, the filmmaker in the Labyrinth, uh, also known as E Sin- Sinestra y El Labyrinth, uh Scorsese that's perfect Italian, by the way. Uh Scorsese has a a lot of dialogue and he talks about the film uh candidly. So uh mm-hmm. I mean I'll get to that when I get to it. But uh yeah, okay. he uh
0: he likes it quite a bit. Big fan. Um, big fan. And there's a uh, one of my uh one of my dudes, uh Costa Grafus. Uh, we have not uh, come to his films yet in the collection. There's a few. Like Z. Who's he? Z missing. Uh hmm. I don't know if there's any other ones of his off the top man. Oh, there, there, there is. I'm just blinking out. But uh, he uh, has this in like his like top ten list somewhereabouts.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: Yeah. So when I read about this movie, I was like, "Ooh, this looks like this sounds like a docudrama thriller." I'm mm-hmm. a I'm a fan of those types of things, but I also had absolutely no idea who Salvatore Giuliano was. None. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever heard of this guy in my life. Uh, mm-hmm. Which, of course, after I watched the movie, and I'm real, I'm like, huh. Like, I, I realized, like, oh, this bases on a true story, I suppose. And then after watching the movie, to uh, maybe get a little bit more context, um, mm-hmm. I was kind of like, wait a minute, the Sicilian is about this Salvatore Giuliano guy, <laughs> the 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 Christopher Lambert movie. <laughs> oh, Lambert? Are
1: you are you talking about Raiden from the Mortal Kombat movies? Yeah, the, the Highlander himself. One and the same. Yeah, you uh, you see some Christopher Lambert n- full frontal nudity in the Sicilian. Oh man! Not by him, but you do see his butt completely be nude. So okay.
0: In so case you're
1: wondering. Okay.
0: Yep. So I went into this movie uh basically blind, other than a few like nice. shots, and mm-hmm. uh, immediately was hit with the like stark white text on the black background, and mm-hmm. uh, this like very like menacing score that like comes and goes, but I don't know at times, Arj, I don't know if you had this experience, like really put me in the mind of a night of the living dead type of deal where it felt uh, like yeah. it, felt, it felt very horror movie ish.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, the, the movie opens up with uh Salvatore Giuliano dead face down on the ground. And <laughs> uh, you have this like really great scene. Uh, I, and I love this sort of like procedural stuff where uh, there's a man who's just like literally, describing what you're seeing before you in this cold, calculated, factual manner. And there's all these people Mm -hmm. standing around, um, you know, punchy men, piebald, standing around with, uh, you know, mustaches, little skinny black ties, and they're fanning themselves, Mm -hmm. uh, hands on either side of their hips, just looking down at things. I love that stuff. And you're you're getting all these shots building up, like, what you're you're just looking at a crime scene. You don't know who this guy is. At least I didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the movie starts to kind of like tell this thing of like, Oh, this is like a big deal. And there seems to be elements of like a cover up of some sort, because there's like witnesses talking about what they've seen, but what the police are making these claims based on not a lot of information. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh,
0: And then the movie starts kind of going back and forth between the, the present day that the movie kind of sets itself in. And then it flashes back to who is this Salvatore Giuliano? What, what's his story all about? And that story Mm -hmm. is, um, so in 1943, World War II is going down and you have this uh, Salvatore Giuliano, who is a black market type. He's like 23 years old. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, he's stealing supplies and food and stuff like that, but it's a give to people. And apparently he yeah. stole like the tales goes. He stole like two loaves of bread or something like that. And in the process of like this thieving, he uh, killed a cop. And, mm-hmm. and they've been they're they start the manhunt and they proceed to look
1: for this guy for the next seven years. Are you saying that he was stealing from the rich and giving to the need beger? I think that's maybe what I'm saying. Wow, wow. I'm, what an interesting idea! I've never heard of that before. So, so, someone should uh make a movie about that. <laughs> they should, they should it's, it's set it in uh an <laughs> animal uh, uh, kingdom with a fox as the lead. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, interesting.
0: So we get factions laid out to us, RJ. Factions mm-hmm. that uh, what fifty-five, sixty years removed from. It's kind of hard to wrap your round your mind around what's going on, and sure. you wonder like what the audience for this movie was because uh, Rossi doesn't like walk you through too much. There's a little bit of a mm-hmm. voiceover narration, and he explains very quickly. Matter of factly, yeah. Here's this person. These, this is uh, this particular task force. They're separatists. Uh, mm-hmm. They they want they want Sicily to be an independent country separate from Italy. That that Italy from Rome does not do Sicily any good,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, they're willing to fight for it in this moment when the country is just beginning to rebuild after uh, you know the 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 defeat of uh, Mussolini.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that you, every country has these sort of histories, but it's not like one that's going to be taught in every textbook because there's simply not enough time. So it's it was a crash course in a lot of ways of Italian mm-hmm. history. And it actually, the, the weirdest thing for me, my big takeaway away uh, initially with Salvatore Giuliano was, I was watching this because this is 1962 Mm-hmm. and the the just the the watching this movie which is gorgeous to look at this movie looks mm-hmm. absolutely amazing the black and white photography uh we'll we'll talk about the the guy who did that but mm-hmm. um it looks incredible these landscapes too like these like harsh unforgiving landscapes but I was like I've seen these landscapes before because I watch all these spaghetti westerns these- mm-hmm. Itali- these italian western movies and so I started thinking about this movie in terms of like uh like a Western. And then I started thinking, I'm like, huh, it's also about revolution. And I was wondering, like in my mind, these, um, these spaghetti Westerns that kind of like, especially toward like maybe the late end, late sixties, they start really embracing the, the revolutionary narrative of Mexico. Mm-hmm. And kind of like, I'm like, Oh, maybe there's like a connection to that somewhere along the line. But, but you also have like the student uprisings and like general, like, uh, upheaval of the 60s, the, the cultural changes happening. And it's like, this movie like kind of predates that by a few years, but it, it's kind mm-hmm. of like tapping back into the spirit of it. Like that was something that was happening like in the, you know, still in the forties until, uh, Giuliano was dead. But mm-hmm. yeah, that was just something I was like thinking of at the beginning of
1: this. The spirit of communism, the spirit of, wow, well, these guys aren't the communists. These
0: guys want to kill those communists because the communists don't, yeah. they, they don't want Sicily to leave uh, Italy mm-hmm. but and their, complex yeah. politics Jerry. yeah could, but yeah and then it gets real violent there mm-hmm. so uh, there's an interesting thing that I was watching this movie and there come there came a point where I'm like who the hell is Salvatore Giuliano <laughs> like I'm like who like <laughs> he's he's dead but I'm like we haven't seen him right like I'm like mm-hmm. have, have I been like falling asleep watching this or totally zoning out but I'm like no no you you never see the guy. Mm-hmm. he's never a figure. He never, he has a, he never gets a big, he's speech. just a corpse. He's just a corpse. You see him, uh, you know, giving very shallow breaths through his stomach as his mother, uh, wails over his body. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like he's just a body. He's an idea,
1: RJ. Which I think is spectacular. And I'll talk about when I get to it, when I talk about the filmmaker in the labyrinth, but, uh, Franco Reesey, it's his name, right? Rossi, Riso? Rossi, Franco Rossi. He uh, he talks about it a lot, and then like everyone else, kind of talks about it too. Where his his big thing was like he's like the guy himself wasn't as big of a thing, and he's like, and I also didn't want to like glamorize the criminal to a point where he's just like this was a guy with ideas that led to other things. He's like, but he's like he was just this guy also so uh, he's like it's the aftermath that's important not who what he did or who he was it's what comes after right I think that's like why it's presented as such where the whole movie he's just a corpse he's just like this dead guy because uh Francesco Rosi was just like yeah it's what happens later that's what's important you know? yeah yeah there's a little bit like stuff before too but like uh, I think his main point he's just like it's what come it's what came after this right
0: yeah so I was like fairly like along with this movie, uh, mm-hmm. as far as like the laying out of the, the landscape of Italian politics that I, I don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. Uh, to a point, it seemed like oh yeah, there's this guy, there's this who's this figure who is kind of like brought into the movement, the separatist movement, because like hey, he gets results and yeah. um, he seems to be able to elude the police, and he starts becoming more active in like you know. Hitting the these what is it the uh, capillaries or something like that. But it's, essentially, it's like the equivalent of their royal mounted police. Mm. Like, but they're slightly more like on the uh, military. There's more of a military element to it, I guess. But yeah, it's essentially that. Like, these were the guys who were like on this like manhunt to track this this man down and bring down all his uh, accomplices who were all covering for him. Yeah, and then there's kind of a so you get to see like a deployment of like urban warfare, rural warfare as these guys move around. It's just kind of like a fascinating thing where you're seeing like just guys wearing like, you know, big floppy hats, tweed jackets, Mm -hmm. hopping around through fields with these rifles, uh, taking back, you know, their their community that they feel is being neglected by their government. And it's kind of like, oh yeah, like it's such a, like you don't think of Italy in this way at all. Mm. I don't think. it, It seems like yeah, it's always like, it's like Godfather, <laughs> which, which apparently, and there's like even weird connections to like, Godfather, where it's like, like like where it's like, there's like, uh I think it's it a deleted scene or something like that, but there's a bit where like, uh there's like a bunch of people who are like, going to the massacre, like they're like on their way to the massacre mm. or something like that, it's, it's like a, a scene that's been deleted or something like that from the Godfather,
2: mm.
1: I can't remember. There's there's more there's even more ties than that too, because a lot of people have tried to there everyone it seems like the Sicilian is just often regarded as like diet godfather or like discount no brand godfather where it's like they're trying to do these things, it's just they don't really do it, you know. But that's that comes later. In- the the movie the Sicilian, the Sicilian yeah, and the the movie the Sicilian mm. yeah, not uh, Salvatore Giliano. Oh. Yeah.
0: All right, <laughs>
1: is how it's is, is how it's pronounced, Jared. Gilliano, Gilliano,
0: Giuliano, Giliano. Sure, that works sure. too. So, um, yeah. So this movie, like, it, it's just like a it's very reported. Like, it feels like it again, docudrama kind of style of mm-hmm. the um film just like depicting the events of what's happening. Uh, I do find that there is a point where it becomes a little more difficult to follow because there's just these characters and everyone's cousins. And then there's mention of cuckolding and, uh, Oh my God. I know again. It's, it's it always is happening in these movies.
1: It's yeah. just, it's unescapable.
0: You know, it was always there with us. <sighs> But yeah, so one of the big scenes, I guess, is like the 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 police's response to like trying to track down uh, these terrorists, these bandits, is to mm-hmm. just round up all the men. I mean, is that not what you would do? I mean, it makes sense, but I don't know how that would how that flies from a uh, an optics standpoint.
1: Well, all I know is that when I need a problem solved, I just get every man in the in the city. And I figure it out, kidja.
0: Yeah. So you arrest them all. You figure it out, and then you round mm-hmm. them up, and then you pick out the the accused from that uh-huh. from that lot. They're going to take them away, and then all your Italian women come charging out. This wild mob. <laughs> do you want to
1: hear? Do you want to hear something fun about that scene? Sure. So apparently, old Frank uh, Frank Rossi, he went to the women of that community whatever, I can't remember what the town is called. And he asked them if they wanted to be in the movie and they said, no. So he said, no problem. I'll go get a bunch of prostitutes and they'll do it. Uh, So he talks about this in that documentary. uh, And he's like, he's like, all right, the women of this town don't want to do it. I don't really care. He's like, I'll get a bunch of prostitutes to follow in the rules. So he got a bunch of buses and went to the neighboring community and picked up every prostitute in town. He brought him to the film set and he showed him what he wanted to do. And then all the women in that community was like, whoa, you got a bunch of whores out here. People are going to think this town is made up of whores. So they're like, no, no, no. We are the women of this town. So they came too, and then it it like doubled the amount of women that they had for that scene. So uh, I I think that, that scene's pretty neat where it's all the women like riding for the men. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was nice. It was interesting to hear old Francesco Rossi talking about, he's like, he's like, yeah, they didn't want to do it. So I got a bunch of prostitutes and, uh, you know, it turned out good in the end. No. You're like, good for you, bud. Good yeah, for
0: you. When the, uh, squadrons are deployed to hold back the, the masses, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's pretty effective. It's pretty chilling that the sound yes, of the, the wailing and the screaming and stuff <laughs> like that. Very, very intense. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, speaking of other intense things, this movie's uh, depictions of writhing I think are pretty uh, unprecedented. Like there's like the mm-hmm. one soldier who gets shot and his like the whole fact that he's like fighting it cuz his body is contorted the muscles around him are contorting to like deal with this bullet lodged in him. Mm-hmm. And like these guys are carrying him around and he's just like fighting it and you're like, yeah, that's like it's not the guys just going oh, <laughs>
2: oh,
0: to be mm-hmm. completely like not not struggling and it's like no, this guy's fighting for his life cuz his body's trying to like get out of the situation it's in and then he just passes and then uh yep. later on uh when uh the, the poisoning the, the poisoning oh yeah the, the strychnine yeah. poisoning
1: that's got some writhing too it's uh it's super effective though because <laughs> and like it works because he's just like i'm sick he's like i ain't good someone <laughs> gave me bad stuff and his like whole body's like like real like waving around you're like yeah shit this dude does look sick <laughs> that's what i thought at least i don't know it's a it's a good job and then even like you said before the uh the mother wailing Mm -hmm. that's a form of writhing too which uh one guy on a on the documentary said it's the best film of any movie the best film of any movie i can't remember who it was it was some guy who is also a director or something like that and he just said it's the best film in any movie so uh without question you should also believe that i believe I see.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Don't question things, Jared. Just accept it.
0: Oh, yeah, there's actually, uh, Francesco Rossi, he also, he also directed a movie that I actually have a Blu-ray of that I have never watched <gasps> called Many Wars Ago from 1970. It's, it's actually a World War One movie that mm-hmm. is, uh, it's like the Italian-Austrian front. Uh, that, mm-hmm. that sounds pretty awesome and, uh, I was, he, I was thinking about the movie because I didn't realize he actually directed it till just now. And I was like, oh, I yep. should probably get around to watching that.
1: There was uh, some scenes of it in the doc. And uh, I got to tell, tell you, Jer, it looks awesome. Yeah. Uh, it really does. And he was talking about apparently like the movie was not well received because – uh, and I actually, I really appreciate his like stand stance on it, which I mean, it's nothing revolutionary or anything like that, but he was kind of like, he's like, war was always like glorified. And he's like, and there was always this false idea that like soldiers, there was always like anyone could like rise up to a point and achieve something. And he's like, that's not the case. He's like in the army, in the military, he's like, there were all these class systems that it, existed there too and he's like and it wasn't good he's like nobody liked it and he's like that's what i tried to make in my movie uh so i was like ooh. he he actually he seems like a super smart dude uh francesco rosie and uh the scenes of uh, uh that movie uh i was watching and the the documentary is an hour long and it's kind of like a it was good for me to watch it for this but uh, at the same time i was kind of like ooh, i wish i had just watched that movie instead of seeing some of the scenes Play out in this doc without having seen them prior, but uh, uh, that movie looks good. I uh, encourage you to watch it one day.
0: I will. Good, good. Um, so yeah, there is a point where like I feel that the storytelling in this movie becomes a little unclear because mm-hmm. I because I don't I don't know if the context s- seems assumed and mm-hmm. uh, coming to it at this point it's harder. And then we get the protracted trial. <laughs> scene which i mean <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a risk it's always a risk in movies. sometimes mm-hmm. they work out really well if you've got like enough like inherent drama in it but i don't i don't know mm-hmm. if this movie's got enough uh drama to drive the uh i don't know how long it goes like it's at least a solid half hour of courtroom drama and flashbacks to like new information and then there's the introduction of like the mafia Mm-hmm. into it where you're like wait 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 what's happening here like because yep. they, they're just casually dropped I'm like well what kind of mafia are we talking about like the, the mm-hmm. mafia mafia and like what's their relationship to these things or it's just like oh yeah these they're just there and now, now they're working with the police kind of and like getting people out or something and it becomes just way more like convoluted especially as it's cutting back and forth between the quote unquote present and the past and then you're getting flashbacks within the contemporary back and forth that I wasn't so on board with.
1: Well, Jared, I don't know if you know this, but it's described as non-linear yeah. storytelling.
0: Yeah. I've heard all about that. Um, oh, really? G- g- generally though, you need to have some sort of demarcation, I think, to to, to help with that <laughs> transition. I think.
1: Apparently he didn't give a shit and he was just like, people will figure it out. Or, and, that's or, what... and,
0: and if they don't, then they'll just be frustrated. And be yep. like I, i'm I'm very lost maybe it's uh, it'll smooth over in subsequent viewings because you know people are popping in their salvatore uh uh Giuliano all the time
1: sure I mean i I popped my laser disc in four or five times today even yep. just to give it a whip this was a big two disc dVD too because of all the supplements
0: yep yeah they went all out on this one
1: so I did. Uh, in terms of Criterion Channel supplements, I watched the documentary filmmaker in the labyrinth, which is an hour long. There was also a full commentary of the movie yeah. on there. Uh, I did not watch that, and then there was two other things that were like three minutes long, where it was, I don't know, random ass people talking about the movie. I didn't. I didn't give a shit about that stuff. Right. So, but uh, it did seem like a lot. Did the the supplements also have the nineteen eighty seven film, The Sicilian?
0: No, they did not.
1: Man, that's it's too bad. It's, just it's too bad they missed out. <laughs> yep. So, so what else is uh, going on? Well, then
0: uh, basically we just get kind of how, you know, the state always wins. Uh, yep. And they basically lock up who they want to lock up and f- do what they're going to do with those who cooperate. And that's just the end of the story. Uh, mm-hmm. The Kind of like the second in command, I guess, uh, Gaspar Piskiota. Mm-hmm. Played by play, played by Frank Wolf, who shows up mm-hmm. in a ton of things, even uh, the Wasp Woman.
1: I uh, I just went to his page and then I saw something. It was like even pops up in Roger Corman producing and, movies, At- and was like like, uh-huh.
0: like Atlas and Six Ski Troop Attack. Remember? Uh,
1: I I I just watched Six Ski Troop Attack. Six Ski Six Wow Ski Ski Troop Ski Troop Attack. There's no no six in it. (laughs) Ski, ski, dope, dope, uh, ski troop attack. I watched that like a week ago and I don't remember seeing Frank Wolf at all.
0: Nope. No, it seemed like it was just ski instructors hanging out, pretending to be soldiers. Um, anyway, so Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, but once you get to the prison stuff, that's like, that's really well laid out. And, uh, I found that, uh, really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, the beautiful architecture. It's like, hell. I mean, if you're going to be in a
1: prison for the rest of your life, I mean, you could you could pick worse prisons. It's not bad. The guards are in, in there for him. Is like Sharon smokes. Guards like, you know, I shouldn't, but uh, cause cause he's like, I could definitely go get my own cigarettes, but uh, I'll take one of yours. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks,
0: Papa Bear. I'll take one of yours. No. And then we get mm-hmm. uh, horrible poisoning which you guess is coming. Cause as soon mm-hmm. as you start talking about how I'm going to talk, I'm going to spill all the beans, you know, <laughs> next yep. page. And he was found dead in his prison cell. And it's even more, uh, uh obvious, I guess the display of mm-hmm. like, Hey, none of you boys better be talking. None. And then, uh, but why would he do that? Yeah. You know? And then we get a, then we think the movie's about to end. Then we get a flash forward and then we get a guy getting gunned down <laughs> How so? By getting shot by bullets.
1: Mm, interesting.
0: In a crowd, and you're like, "Who's that guy again? Who is this guy? Who's this old gray-haired guy? Is that the mafia guy? What's this about?" You go.
1: What does this matter?
0: <laughs> what What a moment! What a moment! Mm-hmm. So, RJ, I'm curious. What did you think of Salvatore
1: Sa- Salvatore Giuliano? Yeah. Uh, I don't, uh, I'm just gonna interrupt for a second. I don't think you even said, do you like this film or no? I'm asking you. I think this thing is super good. And that might surprise you. It kind of does. Yeah. Do do you share that or are you? I,
0: I really like elements of this movie. I like parts of it, but I mean, I do feel like that trial goes on Mm -hmm. ridiculously long. You know what I think? I I don't know. It's like you don't need it to, mm. th- to that degree. Um, mm. And but I yeah, know, like I love the, I love this style of filmmaking. Like yep. I'm a total sucker for it. Mm. But I, I do feel that those things like that that really like I don't know, clocking in. I mean, it's it's like a two hour movie. Two hour, um,
1: two and five or something like that. Yeah,
0: with all the little credits at the beginning and the end. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I know I, I did like this movie. Mm -hmm. but uh i mean i feel like i mean i know that costa gravis who does like very Mm -hmm. similar things he does he does this i think better like a lot better okay where i don't think there's like any real qualms but this is like the stuff like day of the jackal kind of like for Mm -hmm. me like falls into the same realm too
1: yep i think that makes sense and uh i'll lay it out to you like this you know what i think actually helped a ton i watched this in two segments I watched an hour and 10 one night, and I watched an hour the next night, which I know people were going to get all, all like shit on me for. And they're like, you got to watch it in one full stint. And it's like, I get it. Knocking shit over. It's like, I get it. I do. But uh, I watched like an hour of it, and I just, uh, unforeseen things came up. I had to go do, deal with something. And then I came back to it. And I think it actually broke it up a really nice way where uh, when I watched the second half, I was like, I think this is good, dude. Um, so I actually, surprisingly, I think I'm going to shock the world here. This was actually, uh, super enjoyable for me because I was like, I like it a lot. Um, a few things, the story itself, I think is pretty interesting. And I'm like you, I knew nothing about this person or these things that happened. So it was very informative to me. Number two, it looks fucking great. It's so good. Like, there's so many shots where it's just, uh, like, long stretches of Italian, like, streets and, like, corridors and just, like, a person or two standing there. And it just, everything is framed so nicely. I was like, oh, love it. Looks awesome. Looks great. It, uh, the story was interesting. And then I think, uh, so the one thing that, um, just to steal from uh, old Martin Scorsese here, he talks about the precision and when I heard him say that, I was like, what's he talking about? I was like, what's this what's this nerd talking about? But listening to you talk about certain details, I was like, it actually is like I think it's a sharp, precise, fine artisan film craft where uh, I think the opening is awesome and I also like the uh, the layout where it's just like it's like this is how it is we're going to dismantle this crime scene, bring in the reporters. And then you get like the shots of all the people in the windows and stuff like that, like looking over it and you're like, Ooh, baby. Uh, and then that leads to the military politics and the streets and you get soldiers kind of placed out everywhere and you see how townspeople react. And it's very, it is honestly, it is precise. Kind of like how Martin, <laughs> I call him Martin cause we're, we're good buds. Not uh, Marty. Not Marty. No, I call him his full Catholic name because I I understand. Uh, so it is precise, like the way everything is laid out, you're like, God damn. You're like, that's pretty good. I like it a lot. Uh, I think the other things is, I think this movie is very topical to current day affairs. I mean, we don't have discord in the streets with like mafioso. Just, and, just
0: discord on our laptops.
1: It's just discord on our laptops it's the superior platform and everyone's still zooming for whatever reason um but i just thought there was a lot of overlap i was like like whenever they had those things where it's just like all right you got one hour come out get your food go back inside and it's like military curfew political curfew this is what's happening and i was like i it's easy to draw some things like that now and it's just like this is just how it was and it's like it's a it's a recurring thing in history like when you have times of say war or i don't know pandemics things like that and it's like maybe that's what it'll be it's like people get uh lottery style be like here uh, you got one hour at the grocery store go go for it bud i don't know anyway I, I thought it was like topical in that sense um and then i also liked so i did like the non-linear approach and i do i i know he (laughs) it's it's kind of funny like they like those i said those other people address it where they're just like yeah he didn't give a shit he's like you either figured it out or you didn't which uh i could see i think in a different occasion i'd be really pissed off about that because i wouldn't understand it but this one because i was kind of like i i picked it up at two different times it was easier for me maybe but um so i like that Uh, The court proceedings are fine. Um, And then what else did I like about this? Uh, Yeah, I think
0: with the court stuff, I always
1: felt it was very repetitive. Yeah, it is. It it, it just
0: kind of goes over the same material, and then they're like, oh, ah, but they're setting things up. And I'm like, I think there's a better way to have presented this, Like, Mm -hmm. like, in a more... Uh, entertaining way it, rather than yep. like this, where something so I feel like I don't know, uh, maybe my expectations of the court drama have been uh, refined by uh, great episodes of Matlock and uh, Law mm-hmm. and Order or something. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, yeah, I just it feels very like uh, clunky there, like, where it's just like, huh, like, why is this like, why Why are we like, I guess it's like ac- maybe it's more accurate percent of the way, but it's still ridiculous, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't feel yeah. accurate, I'll still feel cinematic, but it doesn't feel as, um, uh. Well crafted, I think, I as, know, other, I as other parts of the movie. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, like, because you were talking you were talking about the cinematography. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Gianni uh, Di Venanzo, oh. well, who who shot movies like Eight and a Half, yeah. Ju- Juliet of the Spirits, Ooh. Big Deal on Madonna Street, oh,
1: and, and and a
0: few uh, Michelangelo Only movies we'll be watching uh, one day.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's. He's great, man. Like, uh, I, I recognized his name too. I was, I couldn't really remember because I don't remember anything we talk about, but uh, I was like, yeah, he, this this dude from Italia, Italia, Italy, Italian words are tough. Uh, I was like, this guy's real good. So, uh, yeah, cinematography is great. And then I, I know what you mean. You, you prefer the Dick Wolf to the uh, Frank Wolf for court <laughs> proceedings. Why? Yeah. Frank Wolf looks a lot like Jimmy Kimmel in uh, some of those uh, court scenes, too, which I I found strange. Um, But anyways, one one thing that I do like, uh, and I think it's it gets talked about even better in like the little documentary of people who are kind of pulling this thing apart. Uh, They talk about how like like Francesco Rossi himself is talking about he's like. He's like there's a lot of uncertainty about what happened in these actual literal historical events and uh he's like I tried to present it in such a way where he's like I didn't want to like bias it and he says I didn't want to like romanticize the criminal aspect of it he's like I was just trying to make a document based on what people know so like you know the scene where they're up in the mountains uh and it's like the the peace rally the May Day scene where Like that they all got charged for. Uh, Apparently for that scene, he got a bunch of the townspeople that were actually there the day that it happened. And he was just like, do what happened on that day. And they were all like, okay. And so once they started shooting, he's like, people were trampling each other. He's like a bunch of people got hurt. Uh, And he's like, and then a lot of people came up to me screaming and they're like, this is exactly how it was the day that it happened. And he's like, I feel kind of bad about it now. He's like, tough stuff and you're like oh shit but uh, i do think he does present it in a way where it's a he doesn't it's like the whole thing where salvatore Giuliano, uh he's just a corpse the whole movie Mm -hmm. and uh like i think it's i actually think it, it brings it around really nicely where he's just like this is what happened he's like i'm not glorifying this guy. I'm not saying that he was great even like, cause apparently like people did see him as a Robin hood type, but he's just like, I don't know. He was a, he was a criminal because uh I, the more you look into it, he like, he did kidnap people and like do shit like that. So it was like, well, so,
0: yeah, that's like a one thing that I always do wonder about. And I need to ask somebody about this, but, um, the, like, so, the, the success of rant, like kidnapping and ransom? ransoming people, is that like a, a real successful way? Like, I
1: mean, I have an example based on not just this guy's life, but also the Sicilian starring Christopher Lambert. Mm. So apparently this guy, they called him a Robin Hood because he would go to local shops and buy like money or he would buy their products for like 10 times what it was worth. He'd be like loaf of bread, 30 cents. He's like, I'll give you $3 for it. Whatever. Who gives a shit? Um, But So that's why they thought he was a Robin Hood type. But then he would do kidnapping and it was a lot of it sounded like the implication. So there's a scene in the Sicilian where he goes into this lady's house and uh, he like demands her jewelry and she doesn't give it to him. And then they have sex. Jared, it's very sensual. Uh, But apparently like there's a detailed account of like he would do this to people. And there was like one account with a lady where he's like, I want your jewelry. And she said no. And he was like, I'm going to kidnap your kids. And I'm going to take them unless you give me like all your belongings, kind of. So I think I think in his sense and at the very least that one occasion, it was more the implication where he was actually already in the house with the people. And he's like, listen, give me all your stuff or I'm taking all your kids. And so they did. Mm -hmm. But I don't know about like the ransom Mel Gibson situation, how 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 much that's going to play out for uh, the average man. You know. Yeah. You know, Jerry. So anyways, uh I liked it for many of those reasons. Uh but it just it looks great. Uh, I was really surprised by it that I liked it as much as I did cuz I think it could very easily be a super boring movie for a lot of people, but uh, I was like yeah. I like this Salvatore Giglion Tone Bungoni.
0: <laughs> you like that Full guy? Name.
1: Yeah, I like that guy. He's a cool guy. No. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, I mean do, anything yeah, else to add
0: I don't know like yeah just like I mean everything about this type of filmmaking uh, <laughs> is like very much in my wheelhouse RJ. yeah I thought you would have liked it more to be honest but that's well, okay. Well, I, I mean like I do like it I think it's a good movie yeah. um but yeah I, I just like I wish it was like oh I wish that was different but maybe I'll feel better about it watching a, a second time I do I mean I still sure. I do still like looking at my uh my current rankings. It does actually, uh, right now I'd put it like, even like maybe around like Le Corbeau kind of range, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, no, it's, it's good. But, uh, yeah, I just like, I, I wish it was tighter, Better. tighter in that once mm-hmm. in that air area. Cause otherwise it'd be sure. great. Cause like, yeah, the movies it influences are really amazing movies. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you, dude. hundred percent. Nice. You want to hear about who hates this movie though? <laughs> Uh, I guess you know.
0: Uh, or do you want to talk about the Sicilian? <laughs>
1: uh, I mean, there's not much to talk about. Michael
0: Semino's The
1: Sicilian. Um. Okay, so it's yeah, the man who brought us Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. No, yep. that's right. Dear, not those other two movies: Deer and Heaven's Gate. Yeah. Uh, so this is like this is way more. It's actually about Salvatore Gillian Gillian. On a Tony, uh, it's it's about like his wife, <laughs> portrayed by Raiden from uh, Mortal Kombat. It's all this stuff leading up to him, and they really play up the uh, Robin Hood thing, where uh, he's like, it's like you remember that trailer for Public uh, Public Enemies, or as I call it, Pubic Animos, with Johnny Depp, where he's like robbing the banks, and that guy puts his money out, and he's like, "We're here for the bank's money, not yours." It's a lot of that kind of shit, and you're like, mm-hmm. I wonder if this. I wonder if this guy would have been like that, but there's um there's a lot of that, and then there's a lot of melodrama romance between him and like this lady, and uh, I don't know. Ten minutes into a scene where they're just like playing around, like hitting each other with flowers, they're like, "Oh, you," and it's like, "Oh, you." You're just kind of like, "Fuck, who gives a shit?" Is kind of how I got. Uh, but you know, John Turturro was there as a uh, Frank Wolf, so that that's pretty cool. Um, there, there's some stuff in it that's fine, but uh, after watching Salvatore Giuliano, I was like, eh, this Sicilian is uh, not my bag. So um, I, I I think you could just watch Salvatore and you'd be fine. And then like The Filmmaker and The Labyrinth, I watched also. And it's, it's more about all of his movies, but uh, the one thing I'll, I'll say about that is uh, Francesco Rosi, He seems like a smart guy, and uh, he's got an interesting story about how his dad wanted to be an artist, uh, but he was never really allowed to, so he became a filmmaker instead. And you're like, wow, what a sweet guy. So anyways, who hates Salvatore Gillian?
0: Well, Veronica does. One and a Mm. half star. I don't know if this is typical or not but i found this film extremely hard to follow i am still not exactly clear on what is going on here i feel like i would require some background in sicilian politics to fully grasp this slippery film
1: slippery much like veronica's ratings oh i uh, know there's tons of uh, tons of criterion stuff but like they have i don't know fucking a mil- 500 five-star films so, like, what are you supposed to pull out of that? Let's go to... Oh, oh Jesus. Oh,
0: I can't hear a thing you're saying. One sec. Did you, no, did I, you hear I, any I, of that? No, no.
1: Oh. Well, I was saying their five-star films are all Criterions, and they have over 500, so there's not much to get out of that. Okay. But half-star films include things like Trash Humpers. Do you think that's a... F- Half-star film?
0: Absolutely not. But I can see that if someone didn't like Trash Humpers that much, they probably wouldn't like this movie either. Even though they're they're completely different movies.
1: They are completely different. What about Last Woman on Earth by Roger Corman? Is that half-stars? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, here's a real one for you, though. Half-star films include Requiem for a Dream and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. Uh, Yeah, that sounds about right to me. Sounds about right to me. Not great,
0: no. Not great. Next up, we have Chris Underwood. Mm. Sounds like a country singer.
1: Sure,
2: why not?
0: There is a problem with this film. Bold, courageous, and outspoken, though it is, director Franco Rossi is somewhat held captive by his conflicting Communist Party and neo-realist filmic leanings. Presented as if a street reality, he is caught between the style and the substance, which is made far worse by the ambiguity of the central character, who we only see as a dead man. As a picture of post-war Sicily and its mm. poverty-stricken towns and labyrinthine streets, it appears remarkable, but as to who is doing what and for why, much more confusing. I understand it was not just me who was confused. Uh, Giuliano himself appears to be a man of many faces and apart from often appearing to be a man of the people, to keen, keen to wrestle his country from the hands of the Italian government. He went so far as to suggest that it should become a part of the U.S., Hmm. Rossi is therefore considerably conflicted here, as with his background and beliefs, he is keen keen to bring a much more left oriented administration to the whole affair of uh, the whole of Italy. Such is the result on film that we are presented with the main thrust of discontent and the evils of the state and judiciary, and an implication that behind the scenes our hero had everyone's interest at heart, bit sentimental, you might say, and a difficult watch
1: um yeah, they sound like a smart person.
0: Very keen.
1: Very keen. Uh, I mean, their their ratings aren't bad. It's like five stars to things like Suspiria, Onibaba, uh, your favorite film, The Guest. Uh, what else we got here? Neon Demon, five stars, apparently. Long Goodbye. Mm, other good movies. Uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, they get five stars. But then they also gave Edmund. With William H. Macy, five stars.
0: Hells yeah. Which
1: I am I think you would perhaps no, agree I, with. I would never give that movie five oh, stars. Oh, they gave uh, Uncut Gems a half a star. Strange. Huh. That is... What, Ed, Edmund? Yeah. What? Oh, we're, we're way out of sync here, but we're making it work.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no, I I, I wouldn't <laughs> give Edmund no five stars, but I was, I'm surprised yeah. about Uncut Gems.
1: Yeah, strange, right?
0: No. Hmm and uh finally round my way two stars i think the reviews of this film suffer from what frank of the film junk podcast refers to as criterionitis This is the assumption that if a film is chosen for the Criterion Mm. Collection, it must be brilliant. Yes, the story of Salvatore Giuliano is an interesting one, and the use of him as almost a specter of Sicilian history rather than as a participant is clever, but the use of non-actors really brings the film down. I understand why the director did this, but scenes such as the one where Giuliano's mother claims his body claims his body. is painful to watch for all the wrong reasons. I was laughing so hard, I was crying at this scene. Hmm. There are other scenes where actors are just shouting for no reason other than they are not trained. In a way, the cinema verte approach gives the viewer the feeling of watching real life unfold, but there's also an amateurish feeling about the film.
1: Uh, I agree with the criterionitis thing, because it's something we talk about all the time. That's literally
0: kind of the point of point. our podcast, I guess. Yep.
1: But I find it funny they say that because one of their favorite films and a five star film of theirs is uh, A Band Apart, which is like, it's an okay show, but I think that's a criterion i to show if I've ever seen one. Mm-hmm. But here's some one star films from Round My Way Eraserhead, Borat what scott pilgrim uh major league which i've been talking about a lot lately the big chill and orange county which uh we've we don't know where we st- stand on orange county anymore where uh we just don't know we so. just we don't know we just don't know it's uh it's up in the air at the moment so we'll see i guess Yeah, i guess so
2: mm-hmm.
0: um yeah i mean i f- I feel like there's an element of intentional intention intentionality, I guess, sure. with this whatever this guy's calling his amateur feelings about the film or whatever the amateurish is that he's talking about. I feel like that's mm. there's an intent in that, maybe. But I mean, like I said, I I, I definitely did at times feel lost in the narrative because mm-hmm. like, I have no idea who these people are anymore. Um, so I won't I won't I not hold it against it. But again, like so much of this movie is like. The stuff I like to watch, and I love finding out about more of these movies because nobody actually talks about these movies in the context of the this genre, mm-hmm. these kind of like political thrillers, um, which is kind of frustrating because I would love to know more about more like of these types of movies because like I've been trying to find these types of things all along and I had no idea what this movie was and here it was right under my nose, uh, a future mm-hmm. creep now, current and now seem to be past creep.
1: And it's it's a it's too bad, right? It's a shame.
0: It's a damn shame. Got any final shame. thoughts here on, on no, Sal, uh, Sal G? I, I,
1: it's like I said, I'm surprised. Uh, I was super surprised by it. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought it was the uh, top-notch guy. So uh, take take that as you will.
0: After the break, you find RJ and my body dead, bullet-ridden. And then for the rest of the podcast, it is only the idea of us that carries us through. And what does that say about you, the listener, and the state of things?
1: Keen. I think you maybe like the idea of a corpse more than you actually like a corpse. Yeah, I, I think that's very true.
3: In quel tempo di guerra lontano La Sicilia moriva di fame Ogni di cento grammi di pane A ciascuno doveva bastar Per un po' di farina Giuliano Fu fermato dai carabinieri Egli piange e si getta i loro piedi Ma non trova nessuna pietà. Ma la legge, la legge, il dovere. I gendarmi lo devono fare. La farina dovranno
2: sequestrare.
0: So RJ, what would you become the Robin Hood of a Cause for?
2: Toyotas?
1: Like stealing toilets to give to others. I think it's just more about the awareness of it than it is the actual thing. I see. Advocacy. Mm. Sure. Sure.
0: You can email us at criterioncrease at gmail.com and tell us what you advocate for. Mm-hmm. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnville. Mm-hmm. We're on YouTube. We're on Patreon. <gasps> We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, other podcast platforms that maybe exist.
1: That- OnlyFans, Toilet Tube, Jared's Pornhub.
0: Next week, R.J. Spine 229, Ingmar Bergman's scene from Scenes from a Marriage.
1: 1974 Oh shit is this that Is this that long one It's all, all those
0: six hours of it oh, It's like watching a fuck. It's just like watching a six episodes of a TV show
1: Oh fuck I didn't I I know I just messaged you about this I didn't realize it was so soon
0: Oh yeah uh, Episode 199
1: Good God
0: I don't know if you'll be watching all those Star Treks you thought you were going to be seeing. Uh,
1: I mean, I will still, but uh, not as. Uh, shameful.
0: Shameful. Well, mm. hope to see you next week, guys.
2: You won't be seeing me. Good night. Woo!